You're a big time music business personal manager. Maybe a little down on your luck. But you're working on a big deal. Maybe things will change for you. Hi. What do you want from me? Six to seven thousand eight hundred eleven dollars nineteen cents to be very specific. You're making them a big move. Hey, Scotty, how you doing? No, no, whatever it is, the answer is absolutely not. I've been thinking about our relationship. <laughs> what relationship? Message for you, Mr. Smilak. But things could be better. Maybe you ought to branch out a little. <laughs> I need someone who takes no crap. Tough. Tough. Maybe you're on your way back to the top. Smilak at your service. We've got something for you. What's that? I can't. From the director of Smokey and the Bandit, Body Slam. What? Do something! Stay right there! It's the outrageous comedy where wrestling meets rock and roll, and a loser becomes a legend. You don't need music to rock. No need. Stop Smilak, what is that, a stomach disorder or a disease? Wait, 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 no, wait, 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 I should have stayed in the music business. You're a dead man, Smilak. Have you heard it here, folks? I'm reading For the greatest president, two top managers. I Slam, starring the A-Team's Dirk Benedict, Tanya Roberts, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Tonga Tom, Captain Lou Elbano, and a host of familiar faces, twisted arms, broken legs, stubbed toes, fractured thumbs, aching backs, and lots and lots of laughs. Body Slam. Welcome to the three-way theater. I'm so excited. I'm, I've been I've been waiting for this for weeks now. I know we've been planning this for a while. We've been talking about it forever. I've watched Body Slam at least four times. Let me tell you though, we're not quite original when it comes to this. No. Well, before we jump into that, we should probably introduce ourselves. I guess. All right. Well, you start. My name is Mike Pava. I'm Lumberjake. And I'm J.C. Marks. Wait, were, you're going by Lumberjake and you're going by J.C. Marks? Yeah. And you're going by your wrestling name. No, no, name. no. We're all going by our no. names. Yeah, yes. we know that your real... I mean, I don't know if we should say your real name on this We just podcast. did. No, no, your wrestling name is Mike Pava. Yeah. I'm so confused. My uh, wrestling name is Mike Pava. My radio name is Mike Pava. Yeah, my real name we're your, we're is Mike name. Pava. 
I'm not hiding anything, guys. <laughs> What's your Facebook name? Uh, okay, no. we're just going to move All on. Right. All right. All right. All right. So, I mean, you, JC, Lumby, Mikey, three-way theater. Three-way theater. We've been planning this forever, months, months, talking about it, and finally we've decided to do it. And there was a little question that Body Slam had to be the first movie we did. Absolutely. When I think about wrestling movies, I think about Body Slam. Um, I was 13 years old uh, when I saw it late night on, it might have been USA, it might have been TNT, it might have been Joe Bob Briggs, maybe Rhonda Shear, but I remember oh, definitely seeing all it. All night. Right. Oh. I, I remember seeing it late at night. I was 13 years old, and I loved this movie. Did you guys ever see this movie before? Now I was also 13 years old when I first saw this movie. <laughs> All right, ships in the night, my friend. And Jake's 13 right now. Yes, uh, actually, funny enough, the last time I saw this movie, I was 13 years old, and serious? it was legitimately, and it was, uh, it was on the UPN Sunday afternoon, and uh, it was, it was, bar- it was uh, No Holds Barred before, and then Body Slam following up. That's great. It That's was amazing. What a lineup. Best weekend of my life. That's one hell of a double header. You're not kidding, and I'm lucky I caught it. It was on early morning. It was great. So I haven't seen this movie since I was 13. I'm with you. I had a very basic idea of what was happening and what was going on, but I could not prepare myself for what I actually watched. This movie. See, let me explain. My internet in my new place has been going down periodically, so it took me two weeks to fully get through this movie, finally ending with last night finishing the movie. So, it's fresh in my head, but at the same time, man, it feels like I've seen it just for the very first time. That's why Jake watched it four times, because we had two weeks waiting for you. (laughs) Including once with my girlfriend, which she really didn't appreciate. I'm interested to hear her thoughts. (laughs) Can can you get some audio of her thoughts when you see her later I might be able to do that. Alright. So, we saw the trailer at the top of the podcast, or we heard the trailer at the top of this podcast. Maybe I should do a quick synopsis of sure. what this movie right. is about. All let's, right. uh, let's fill everybody in. All right, I'll try to do it in my best, like, trailer voice. Oh, Maybe. in a world. Yeah. All right. Maybe or you, you can do it. do it, yeah. Yeah, if you want to. I mean, I mean you want yeah, no, All right, it. okay. Let me, this, this is a Don't cold. read my notes. This is a, Just read the synopsis. This is a cold read. All right. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> M. Harry Smilak is a down-on-his-luck music manager who is having a hard time attracting talent in booking gigs for his band, Kicks. The most recent of his gigs is a Dairy Queen opening. What? When making agreements for a campaign fundraiser, he mistakes Rick Roberts, a professional wrestler, for a musician and hires him. At this moment, he becomes a wrestling manager and starts to book matches for him and his teammate, Tonga Tom. The team is a success, and Harry decides to take his wrestlers and his band on a rock and wrestling tour. The tour is a success, and Harry feels what it's like to be a winner again. Body slam. I think you're being very nice with that synopsis. That is the official synopsis of the the movie. (laughs) Wait a minute. I didn't spend any time writing up this carefully worded synopsis. I mean, (laughs) I gotta say, I was impressed for a second. (laughs) We spent two weeks waiting for you. I've learned everything Everything about this movie. Everything needs to be known about this movie. I know more about this movie than Hal Needham knows about this movie. I know more about this movie than I know about myself. (laughs) 
Okay, but can we start off? It was directed by Hal Needham. Yes. The director of Smokey and the Bandit and Cannonball Run. And Smokey and the Bandit 2. two. And Cannonball Run, Run 2. 2. Can't forget that. Of course not. Um, and this was also his final film directing job. I wonder That's why. not entirely okay. true. Movie director, movie, yes. yes. He had a lot of television movie credits, including... Various Smokey and the Bandit <laughs> spin-off <laughs> Of course. <laughs> I'm disappointed Burt Reynolds didn't have a cameo in this movie. <laughs> I, I would have tried. Him as Quick Rick Roberts would have been all the more better. The other thing to keep in mind with Body Slam is that it was made in 1986, but didn't actually seem seen release until 1989. Uh, can really? I also uh, I also took um, just to point out where people were wrestling at this point. Roddy Piper had left WWF. Uh, his last match before this was uh, boxing Mr. T at WrestleMania, and then when he returned, it was his babyface run uh, feuding with Adrian Adonis. Uh, Tonga Tom, that was Tama. He was one half of the Islanders who were just a babyface tag team, and they didn't turn heel until April of 87. So babyface when the movie was made, but by the time it was released, he was, he was a, a heel. heel. So it kind of took things apart. Um, the Barbarian and T.J. Khan, who played the Cannibals, were both in the NWA at the time. So this is like a big crossover. With, oh, interpromotional. It's very interpromotional, not a question about that. But they were both member of Paul Jones's army, so they were actually a real tag team. Also, at the time making cameos in the movie, you have Ric Flair, Bruno Sammartino. I'm jumping ahead, but I'm you know saying a point. You're, just, you're okay. naming all these wrestlers can I, can what I, they were doing at the time, and you have all these bit cameos at the towards uh, end of the movie. So I think it's very interesting. Can I say okay. also it was released by Orion Pictures, mm -hmm. who re they released three movies that year: Body Slam. Hoosiers and Platoon. <laughs> and this was supposed to be their summer blockbuster. And boy was it. But again, it was not actually released until no. 1989 due to a dispute with the producers, the lawyers. Well, I can actually tell you, it was oh. uh, Shell Lighton wrote the screenplay. He was mainly a lawyer, and um, his only previous writing credit was an episode of a Western TV show from the 60s. Um, I'm pretty sure Shell's a woman. Uh, I it's it's entirely possible, but Shell Lighten, uh, I oddly saw in the credits, um, it was a uh, the main titular song was performed by Debbie Lighten, and then the the yes, the he titular? said he said titular, yes, titular. It means it was the title. Song. I, know, I, I know. Let's control ourselves. And then in the credits. Um, <laughs> One of the little boys in the parking lot was Chris Lighton. So I think uh, there was a lot of the Lighton family having to do with this movie. But I'm assuming he was the lawyer that caused all the drama. Yeah, I actually wrote up a 13-page dissertation about it uh, <laughs> during the two-week span. So I'll just start um, item line 43. All right. Do you have copies for us that we can look as we go? Absolutely. Don't? All right, yeah. great. Fantastic. It's all in the reference. Number Jake, here you go. Thank you. All right. Alright. Fantastic. It was the best of times, it was the blurst of times. <laughs> Stupid monkeys. Alright, so, did you have any other fun facts, Lumber Jake, before we dive in? Well, um, due to rewrites, it was because this movie, uh, because 
uh, apparently Dirk Benedict and Hal Needham were all about just improving and changing the script as they went along, which really upset the screenwriter of the of the movie, which ended up delaying the inevitable release. When your producers are lawyers, you probably don't want to mess with them because then your movie will be tied up for years until it's dumped on home video yeah, in 1989. Yeah, never got a theatrical release, which is a tragedy if you ask me. Until a bunch of 13-year-old kids <laughs> would watch it at different points in their life. But you have to be 13 when you yeah, see it. only 13. All your listeners, all the listeners today, hope you're 13. Um, okay, let's jump right in. M. Harry Smilek. Worst name ever? Uh, best name ever. Oh! I, I, you know, I would say worst name ever until I heard some of the other names First in this all, movie. that's my bit. The um oh, is I'm my sorry. bit. I'm sorry. And second of all, in my notes, I have best names for movies ever. I wrote down all the names sound like fake Chevy Chase's names from uh, Fletch. So the first thing that I wrote is just in all caps... Awesome '80s music. The music choices, the the synth pop. It's great. I absolutely love it. Uh, the the biggest thing I took away from M. Harry Smilak uh, is basically that Dirk Benedict is Bradley Cooper from the 1980s. Ugh. He, you know, which makes sense because Bradley Cooper played Face in the A Team reboot a few wow. years ago. Oh, that makes See, so much sense. I don't understand what I'm supposed to feel for M. Harry oh. Smilak. Am I supposed to feel sympathy for this he guy? He is literally the least likable person are, you're supposed to root for since George McFly. There are no likable characters in this movie. Everybody's I, a That's villain. not true. I have a theory. Tonga Tom is so likable, this whole movie. He's oh. so... In that hospital scene... But okay, okay we, can, we can say, to be fair, to and be I think fair, all three of us can fair. agree, M. Harry Smilak, the worst protagonist... We've oh, ever seen in a movie? So Absolutely. Bad. In the history of this podcast, the worst we've ever seen. <laughs> yes, and that's saying something. That's saying something. So we all agree with this. Yes. I mean, the name, I'm not entirely in agreement with. I think, as far as names go, you got to do something. you got to be flashy. And I kind of like it. For the 1980s, speak, I mean, speaking it, of flashy, did you see those leather pants he wore? <laughs> I love all of his outfits. Um, can I just say, that was a personal choice by Dirk Benedict. He chose those leather pants, and he still has them to this day. Whew. That's a true story. He said he wanted his character to be more of a peacock. So Wait, what? He Like a peacock. No, not like an actual peacock. I get it. His leather pants were his own personal choice. Have you ever seen a peacock in leather pants? And he holds on to those leather pants to this day as a prize possession. So he was really into this movie. Yeah, well, he loves yeah. this movie. He loved this movie, and he thought this movie deserved to be a lot more popular than it was. He said if it wasn't for those producers, then this movie would have I would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for those darn producers. So in the opening scene... Yes. M. Harry Smilak pulls up next to this beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome, because you think he's so cool. He's got a giant 1980s cell yep. phone. He pulls up in his convertible. Um, also... Uh, and we find out probably seven minutes later, he's got a girlfriend. He's got... Not yet. He's got a girlfriend. Yes, he has a girlfriend at the very beginning of this movie. Curly-haired, big-smile woman that's at his house with him. And It's his house? Yes. That's his house. I thought that was the office. I thought it was the secretary. Well, he said later on he needs to get to the hot tub. And why would you have a hot tub in your office? Because right? you don't he's have a M. Harry Smilak. That's why. <laughs> He's a big music producer. Now, Jake, just because you don't have an office and you don't understand how office politics work, you need to have a hot tub. Yeah, 
we're also watching this again as live. we go. Yes. So we're we're going back real quick. Okay. That old this, lady. This is his. This it's his secretary is his lawyer's office. No, no. Go for that's his girlfriend. No, that's not his girlfriend. That's, Show me his girlfriend. That's his secretary. Yes, that is um, the secretary. And she says something so dumb. She goes, uh, we forgot to send him that check. Now it's going to be bouncing all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't send it, it won't bounce, no? <laughs> um, I want you to show me this girlfriend. That's just some broad he picked up. No, because she's there later on. And sh this woman. And yeah. she's credited in the credits as Harry's girlfriend. It's not his girlfriend. I'm telling you. And then... That's a girl he picked up after he stole the car. Not true. That is his girlfriend. And then he tried to pick up the girl at the very beginning and then immediately dumps his girlfriend as soon as he sees uh, Tanya Roberts. Yes. All right. All right. Okay. So... But we're getting that. So M. Harry Smilak is a douche. And Easily. I just want to point out, so he has the cell phone, he's a douche, yep. he's driving around his rented Porsche, or leased Porsche, yep. and that was the first wrestling appearance in the movie from the Repo Man. <laughs> <laughs> you had me for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, like, I what did I in. miss? I'm like, oh, man. What did I miss? <laughs> um... So he loses his car, he loses everything, and we can see very quickly things are not all good for Mr. Smilak. Now, is he just having a bad day? No, he's or is this like him all? Is this him all the time? Well, again, he was formally a very talented music agent. Correct. Allegedly. He had the Midas touch. Allegedly. Well, Sheldon Brockmeyer said that. Why would Sheldon Brockmeyer lie? You mean Donatello from the Ninja Turtle <laughs> That's cartoon? That's exactly who I mean. Sheldon Brockmeister, also a great name for this um, movie. I, I wrote uh, second worst name in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I love the name. It was... If you've ever seen Wet Hot American Summer, when Janine Garofalo is just saying names, names. and you're just coming up to the most Jewish names, Sheldon Brockmeister. <laughs> Can I just say this? Berg. Excuse my French, but this film is caca. Yes. Are you just going to quote lines from Sheldon Brockmeister the entire time? I'm going to quote them for the rest of my life. Um... So yeah, he he's not just having a bad day. He's on a downward spiral. He's down on his luck, yes. as as the uh, trailer would say. Um, Sheldon Brockmeyer, when we first meet him, he's working out in his uh, in his office in the middle of the day. Um, but his trainer's not doing anything. His trainer's just standing there. She's just there to look good. And I'm not gonna lie, she looks good. She looks great. She's hot in that Elizabeth Berkeley sort of line. <laughs> yeah, she does look very much like Elizabeth Berkeley. That's probably what they were going for. I think or don't you think Elizabeth Berkeley was going for? Her? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jesse Spano would have been very young. Jesse Spano, isn't that her? Look at that high waisted that? spandex. Yeah. Je uh, Jesse Spandex. Yeah, Jesse Spandex. That's it. That's it. All right, so he goes to meet Sheldon. And we, I guess, get the first conflict of the movie. Like, the setup. I yeah. mean, I, this movie has so many different plot lines. Yeah. And they never really... They branch and they never... They never connect? Nope. Yeah, no. They're all just kind of... You know, I went, I've gone to a few screenwriting, screenwriting classes and, like, you want everything to... You try to go to a few speaking classes, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just going to sit here in the corner with your dog. You guys continue. But I actually have a theory on... Okay, we're we're talking about the same thing where they introduced the Korean. Oh, Mr. I'm not even there oh, yet. Geez. I'm just talking about talking about the fundraiser. Okay, okay, for the senator. Well, they brought the 
they brought the Korean loan up flippantly before that. Yes, where they, they had, where he had won a lawsuit over the Koreans. Over and he eight. keeps confusing the Koreans with the Chinese or the Japanese. Well, that's also the movie's fault because they're very racist. Very mm-hmm. racist. When we first see Mr. Kim, he's introduced by a gong. Um, Mr. Kim, who gets very angry when he's called Japanese, um, he's uh, the actor John Fujikoka, um, or Fujioka, whatever. Um, he, <laughs> okay, that's very that's racist. racist. Yeah, now that's racist. That's very racist. Okay, but he is Japanese, okay. so it's not really... So, so again, the movie's point very of racism, racist. Yeah. And it's, it's a running bit throughout the movie yes. as well. Yes, Mr. Smyrak. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are we are about twenty one minutes into this and we are we haven't even gotten to wrestling. Well yeah. strap in boys. Well, the movie doesn't get to going. wrestling till about 30, 40 minutes in, so we're uh, on right. par. So again, I'm th- I'm thinking about uh, different plot lines all over the place. We see Sheldon, he wants M. Harry Smilak to go ahead and do this fundraiser. Yes. For uh for um, Norton. Norton Wilshire. Yes. Norton Wilshire. And uh, and it's being run by Bitsy Vanderwegen. More <laughs> awful names. I love it. Oh, Bitsy. They just get worse and worse. Uh, Van, so- Vanderwegen, you know, the department store. It's like if somebody was like. Bitsy Vanderwegen. And, and then when Harry Smilek is completely clueless, he they're like, yeah, Vanderwegen. He goes, who? So that would be like someone said Bill Sears, and they're like, who? Wait, who? Sears, like the department store? Oh. oh. Sears and, like Sears and Roebuck. Sears and Roebuck, yeah. Yeah. That's before my time. <laughs> <laughs> so when M. Harry Smilak goes to visit his lawyer, and he opens up his briefcase. Yep, yep. And... Yeah, there's dog toys in there. He pulls out he didn't. women's lingerie. Like, what is going on with this guy? And a red rubber clown nose that squeaks. <laughs> right. uh, that was what the squeaking must have been. <laughs> red rubber clown nose, which is the last thing he throws in his bag. Oh, I can't. Norton Wilshire, I think we can all agree, he's dickless. Dickless. That needs to be said and put into my vocabulary. I am just going to call everybody dickless. It really it was such a jump. He was like, he's a blowhard. He's dickless. <laughs> it's the 80s, man. Oh. Yeah, and trust me, that was abundantly clear later on with Definitely some of the insults. apparent in this movie. Yeah, um, we'll get to that, too. Yes. So I guess we can maybe then get to the next scene where first he says no I don't want to do this I don't want to do this fundraiser forget about it yes and he leaves but he needs to get his car back right he needs to figure something out well he needs to figure a lot out because if he doesn't have his rent by Friday he's getting evicted um previous to this his car got repossessed is that before that or after no that was before that this was is before yep. the beginning so he gets, repo man so he gets that's right okay so he gets Cars handed repossessed. He, he gets handed the the repossession the car drives away so checks are bouncing all over all the place all over the place they didn't get sent mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's just he's just having he needs something he's hard luck harry yes hard luck m harry smiling m. hard harry. luck m harry yes um so in order to do this, this very unlikable protagonist right. decides to go to a car dealership. And goes to uh, Mr. Adams. The most unlikable up- of unlikable protagonists are car salesmen. That's- no! And I liked, I liked the car salesman Scotty. better than I liked M. Harry Smilak. Um, I did at first, but then I didn't because he's both 
both parts of his storyline is a he was upset because Harry Smilak didn't get him a date. Uh, that was this woman was supposed to spend the night with him, oh, and right. then they're going out with a couple of showgirls. And then, when Harry leaves, you hear his secretary go, Scotty, your wife's on the line. <laughs> Scotty is a terrible person. <laughs> so again, uh, it goes with the running theme of awful people in this movie. There are no likable characters That's not true, and we're going to get to that. Um, and, but John Aston as Scotty, great. What a great cameo. Yeah, I, I'm, there was, that was a non-wrestling cameo that I loved more than any, I think. Do you know who John Aston is, Mikey? Uh, I, liked, uh, I liked him in The Lord of the Rings. That was a Sean Aston. Oh, oh, oh okay. All right. <laughs> um, uh, did you like him in Rudy as well? Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. All right. But, uh, so he John gets, Aston. So are you gonna tell Go, me who it is? Gomez Adams. Oh, the original right. Gomez Adams. Okay. All right. Uh, so he's <laughs> um, his landlord Byron Shapiro's car. Another <laughs> terrible name he brings up during the uh, during this car scene, but. Wait. uh Byron should be, so wait isn't his lawyer Sheldon? Yes, Sheldon Brockmeyer. Sheldon Brockmeyer. Then who's Byron? Byron Shapiro, his uh, landlord. Oh, his landlord. Yes. yes. I thought you said his lawyer. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, and he scams him again with what are supposed to be Bruce Springsteen tickets, but are actually for the Jewish <laughs> yodeling <laughs> festival at the Civic Center. So this is what I wrote down. I just kind of put it in a bulk little paragraph. Poor hard luck Harry, a mu music agent, manager, supervisor, down on his luck, apparently by his own doing. He owes a shit ton of money to Koreans, who he mistakes for Japanese with Samoan muscle. Awful, awful exposition. Solicitation? He's okay with it. Impersonation? Not a problem. Fraud? Meh. It's fine. <laughs> but no political fundraisers. Absolutely not. I have some morals. Well, it would destroy his music career. If he had done that, according to him, if he helped out a music producer Ugh. or helped out a politician. It's the worst. He gives away these Jewish yodeling tickets. He thought he was going to go see Bruce Springsteen, right? Is that, is that the boss? Yeah, the, yeah. That's the boss. Well, I mean, I know that's the boss, but is that what the... Is yeah, that what yeah that's what the kids call him. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets the car. He gets Sheldon's car. Um, and yeah. picks up, apparently, his girlfriend. His girlfriend, he picks up. Allegedly. Yep. <laughs> and then, with the sound of a gong, out out from his shed <laughs> walks Mr. Kim. Mr. Kim. The two wild Samoans. How long do you think Mr. Kim was waiting there? I don't know, but it happens twice. They walk out of the same open shed. Get a padlock. Or, alternatively, maybe he lives in the shed. Okay. Have we thought about this? <laughs> Alright. So they're just neighbors. So, again, he's Korean. Well... The character is Korean, even yes. though he's Japanese, and his muscle are Samoans. It's the wild Samoans. Yes. So I dub them the Cormoans. Okay. The Koreans okay. and Samoans together. Um, and just to differentiate, Mr. Kim says, um, "Not Japan, Korea. Different eyes, different language." <laughs> uh, send your hate mail to JC Marks. <laughs> um. But the man was actually born in Hawaii, so I'm assuming this terrible English accent was a put-on, and they told him to just really up it up. Oh, of course. And he owes them $67,811.19. Of course. But, but... 
I'm happy we all caught this, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, I was going to say, if you look at the poster, the theatrical poster for this movie, yep. Mr. Kim is holding a sign saying he's owed $150,000. Yes. Um, I, weirdly, though, I did the conversion rate of what the money would be then and now. <laughs> Uh-huh. And it's $144,361.96. With interest, $150,000. Perfect. My mind is blown. <laughs> um, and I, I wrote down, eight minutes into the film, there's already five full names given, and they're all terrible. <laughs> I love the names. For an 80s movie, I'm okay with the names. You couldn't get away with it in 2016, but I think this is perfect. I'm still not 100% sure what his job was at this point. I'm still very confused on everything. Um, possibly he's a, he's a Wait, Mr. Kim's job? No, Harry Smiley. Harry Smiley manager. is a failed music producer. Mr. Kim was in corrections. Loan corrections. Loan collections, yes. No, corrections. No, he said corrections because he was being racist. <laughs> I don't mean to correct you on this, Mikey, but... <laughs> you don't want to collect him on this? <laughs> um, so, Sheldon's car gets destroyed by the wild Cormollans. I have one point to bring up, though. Uh, when he was talking to his maybe girlfriend, uh, he told his girlfriend, he's the one that told Madonna to wear class, uh, trashy lingerie. Is that a lie? Or... Because he's like he's been known to have the Midas touch in the past. Also, if this is his girlfriend, why is he telling this brand new story, trying to sneak her into the house, get her into the hot tub? Right. Like. Okay. I don't know. Um, can I just say I love the Wild Samoans matching forest gum suits. Oh yeah. Uh, I want to get you and Mikey those suits. We would look well, more like twins. We actually make an appearance later on in the movie. I wrote that <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> two weeks. We had two weeks. Two weeks. For you. So the wild. I Samoans. keep losing my notes. By the way, here they are. Lumberjake's sitting on them. <laughs> the wild Samoans. I'm trying to hide them. <laughs> the wild Samoans uh, destroy his car. Just beat it up. <laughs> destroy <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they they're so strong. They literally just rip the door right off its hinge. Yeah, he tries to get in the car, and they just rip it right off with him still attached. And uh, that's actually one of the points I have about wrestlers in general in this movie. But again, we can get to that a little bit later. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I have a point to make later. But um, the next scene... So, what I, what I did write, and again, it's something that we've been kind of hitting home on. It cannot be stated what an unlikable protagonist Harry Smilak <laughs> is. He's a classic 80s douche. He's the worst. But was that a good guy then? Yeah, I, that's what I'm trying to, I don't understand why the the this movie doesn't make me feel the emotions that I think they want me to feel for this movie. I do I not feel bad for M. Harry Smiley. I do not have sympathy for him. I he's I'm telling you, he was so unlikable throughout this entire movie until the end of the movie, really. Until the end he's, of the movie. There's never a point where he has a big change. Nope. He kind of... And Oh, I, there is a slight change, and we'll get to that. Kind of. But one thing I want to point out, again, this is one of those things where there's so many different storylines thrown out there, all these strands that are never really properly picked never up again. Never tied together. Um, the, the, Cor the Cormoans... Yes. They're the muscle for Mr. Kim, and it seems like the pitch perfect opportunity to bring them into the wild world of professional yes. wrestling. I actually wrote exactly. down, I feel like that was setting up a sequel. 
There was oh, I think they wanted right. to do a sequel because Captain Lou Leg drop. Morano. <laughs> but why why was he Captain Lou Morano <laughs> and not Captain Lou Albano? Why was quick Rick Roberts not Rowdy Roddy I mean, Piper? Well, here's sure. something for you. In the trailer of the movie, they credit Rowdy Piper as Rowdy Piper, and then Tama gets yes. Tonga Tom. Yeah. He gets called his his, his character movie name. name. Right. Not Sam Fatu. Not Sam Fatu, so, not Tama. Not So do you think maybe they were gonna plan on bringing him in as Tonga Tom in the WWF? No. Because no, this already, had nothing to do with so the why WWF. Would they... He was already in the WWF. Oh man. It's just incredibly racist again. Yeah. Where he's like, ah, what's his name again? Oh, so, and by the way, uh, Tonga Tom from Samoa and um, the Barbarian is from Tonga. So <laughs> that's a little... That's Wrap a little, your mind around that. Yeah. So we're finally talking about westlers because... This uh, is about, finally. We, well, actually, yeah. not, we're not there for yet uh, because right. uh, M. Harry Smilak walks into Mr. Tom McMillan's office, the first real name of this movie, <laughs> <laughs> um, and sits down next to this sassy little girl and immediately starts Ugh. talking to her and, in the creepiest way. And I kind of wanted... The line, uh, my she calls him out for being a creep. Yeah, my uncle Ricky says, uh, "Old Is it man, uncle." Uh, yeah, uncle Ricky. Who's that's also not her, it's not his. Her, her. No, that's not, that's her uncle. Uncle, yes. Uncle Ricky. They're not father and daughter. No. no. Also, oh, uncle and niece. Another very unlikable character in this movie. This little girl, Missy. So this adds a lot of questions that I'll have to bring up to you guys later. Well, let's let's delve he, into this. He, we, it's never really discussed what. What happened to this girl's parents? Her mom. Why, why is she always, is she always there? there? She why doesn't is go to school. Rick nope. watching her all the time. Like, what did this girl have? She's a- at the gym with them. She oh, gets- my little princess. Throw another hundred pounds on there now. So, yeah, Nothing we don't know more. anything about Nothing this. More, yeah. Also, when Roddy Piper's working out at the gym, he almost beans her in the face with the shoulder press. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, little girl is Kelly Martin. Uh, the, the sister from Life Goes On. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I noticed that. I was like, she looks so familiar. I don't know where she's from. Hopped on IMDb. So I was. Um, is she great. also in ER now? She was on ER. Well, ER now. now. Yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> yes. yes, she was. <laughs> Listen, I was born in 1990. I was very young when all these shows came out. Yeah, well, it's not 1990 anymore. Getting back to Sam Fartu, Fartu or Tom. Fartu? <laughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Um, I had a, it escaped. Um... We're not. We're, we're not. We're not, we're we're not, not even at Roddy Sam Piper yet. yet. Oh, jeez. We're not at Quick Rick Roberts yet. Uh, Thirty-five minutes in, boys. My God. We have not even met Roddy Piper yet. And can I say this? Sassy little girl is hundred percent right. The the creepy old men that talk to kid. Did she say pedophiles? Yes. She says pedophiles. Yes. Now. Um, and she goes, "You're not fucking me today." <laughs> uh, the Maybe first tomorrow. Of the show. Not today. Um, can I say? She looks like a sting operation. She's sitting there wearing a pink pretty dress holding a teddy bear. And uh, I kind teddy bear's mic'd. I kind of wish that that was her entire part of the movie. Her to call him a pedophile and then never to be seen again. <laughs> Just be like, yeah, she's right. Um, why is uh, Quick Rick Roberts taking his niece to his booking director? That's what that was, he I takes wrote her that everywhere. everywhere. So we established that. Um, Mr. Tom McMillan with a sign on his desk that says, Don't forget who's boss. Aww. I like to think that was like a Father's Day gift. <laughs> like, ah, like, oh, that's a funny little little thing you can put on I his wish desk. Davey would get that for me for Father's Day. <laughs> right? Don't forget who's dad. Roddy Piper gives a very Roddy Piper promo delivery. He's like, I'm doing all I can! Like, very, like, over the top. I'm like, that's yes. not... 
and, and during this interview, M. Harry Smilak is trying to get in on his interview by barging into somebody else's protagonist several times. And why is he an hour late for his appointment? That's never worst protagonist ever. <laughs> He's an hour late to his appointment. Oh. Um, and then after he gets all this, all this for quick, quick Roberts without knowing anything about the man, about what he does. Uh, just assuming he's a... He thinks he's in the music industry. Yeah, you're not into that well, new no, wave he is stuff, in the right? music industry. No, I mean, oh, he thinks Roddy, Piper. thinks Roddy yeah. Piper's in well, the, the music industry. And that brings industry. up what an awful manager he must be. Not to do any due diligence yeah. in finding out what this guy does. No, but all he needed to hear was how many people were there. And he was working out a t-shirt deal and a yep. sneaker deal. Hey, you're and, right. And a cut of concessions. Before we started recording, you mentioned how you wish there was more sound effects in this movie. Yeah. yeah. I'd go a step further. I wish there was, like, cartoon effects. <laughs> overlaid like the money dollar signs <laughs> pop up in Harry Smilek's eyes <laughs> I would love I, nothing would make this movie more over the top like, even if it was the movie over the top <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Captain Lou Murano Captain Lou for the first time uh, played by Captain Lou Albano uh huh and uh -huh. a huge twist yeah <laughs> this this guy is really stretching his acting chops. <laughs> Not if you've seen uh, him on Miami Vice. <laughs> it's really stretching his acting chops. And then when uh, Quick Rick Roberts informs him that he's uh, found a new manager, he goes, Who'd you find? David Wolf or Jimmy the Weasel? Uh, David Wolf was Cindy Lauper's manager. Oh, yeah. Um, and I couldn't find who represented who was represented by Jimmy the Weasel. Um, it was Bobby the Brain. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Makes sense. But um, David Wolf is also Cindy Lauper's husband. <laughs> little fun fact for you. Yeah, I remember um, that. And then we have our third wrestling cameo after Rowdy Piper. Now, real quick, when he's asking who is your manager, he says, M. Harry Smilak. And then <laughs> Captain Lou says, what is that? Sounds like a stomach disease. Disorder. Yeah, stomach disorder. What is he, a disease? Those are two of the same things. The same thing! <laughs> Didn't even... Same exact thing. Captain Lou did not have a thesaurus on him. He also called them uh, some BB brain. Also something Captain Lou would incessantly say in his promos. <laughs> I feel like Captain Lou was ad-libbing this whole movie. I agree. That's Which again goes back to the point of... Hal Needham encouraging his actors to improvise to get better performances from the wrestlers. The only time he wasn't ad-libbing, I'm going to say, was on the uh, talk show set, but we'll get to why I oh. think that later. Um, so, one thing I wanted to point out, because M. Harry Smilek gives the business card, it gets eaten by Alexis Shmirnoff, a uh, Russian wrestler. Delicious drink. <laughs> and one thing that I noted is that I love wrestlers, in this movie specifically, show their dominance and power by eating business cards, chomping cigars, <laughs> and destroying cars. Like, that's the only way to show, I'm a wrestler. Yeah, yeah Harry Smilek getting his cigar broken and then reacting like, Oh, I was smoking that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Roddy Piper punches Alexis Smirnoff into the fountain, and then they all just kind of walk away in the same direction. <laughs> That's gonna be an awkward walk to the car. It really was. They're just a little bit ahead of them, and then you just see Captain Lou pulls them out of the fountain. And then they all just kind of walk off in the same <laughs> general direction. And if I'm not mistaken, Jake, 
this is the last we see of Alexa in this movie, right? Last, uh, the last you see. Another plot strand completely gone. And also, he's credited as the Mad Russian when he's called to nothing in this movie. So again, thinking about perfect wrestling opportunities, why isn't Alexa in the beatdown later in this movie helping his manager? Yes, absolutely. Piper hit him. He punched him. Knocked him out into the fountain. Like these are wrestling one hundred and one, screenwriting one hundred and one. Like this is perfect opportunity. To make your movie mean something. Every scene leads to the next scene. Um, and then when he finally finds out, he's like, what are you into? Are you heavy metal, rock and roll? Don't tell me you're new wave. And Ronnie <laughs> Piper goes, no, I'm a pro wrestler. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best musical cues I've heard. His eyes bulge out of his... What? Yeah, that would have been... <laughs> the <laughs> um, but uh, doesn't seem to bother him all that much. Uh, Roddy Piper with a big pocket full of cash just counting out <laughs> hundreds for him. Then they just uh, move on. Uh, and we cue to that other storyline that doesn't yep. really connect together. The Norton Wilshire storyline. <laughs> right. And the fundraiser in the introduction of our love interest, Miss Tanya, Tanya Roberts. Roberts. Um, mm. One thing that's said flippantly at the beginning uh, is by Bitsy Vanderveeg and she goes what happened to the circus theme we wanted you know really elegant <laughs> is the circus theme really elegant it's very classy and then um, spoiler later on in the movie they do the circus theme <laughs> for the fundraiser <laughs> I mean hey, I'm that's surprised. continuity right there guys yeah, for the yeah. first time uh, yeah, there's a couple instances um, Tanya Roberts yeah uh, Donna's mom from that 70s show also a Bond girl and uh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. Looks amazing. Uh, she's the daughter of Bitsy, but in the 1980s, everyone looks the same age to me. <laughs> <laughs> they just, it looks like they could be sisters. I'm coming into that problem today. Like, in 2016, daughters and mothers are looking, the, the, the lines are blurred. I, I so totally I can see the 80s. The 90s, it was okay. You could definitely tell who was a mom and who was the daughter. Yeah. But now that we're getting into the, the 26, you know, 2010? What is it? The aughts? What is it? The what? The aughts. The aughts. Is that a thing? Well, that was yeah. that's what it was. The, so what is this? What previous. is this decade? Um, the, the, the teens? Teens? We're back. Alright, I don't know. I but, can't wait for the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming. I just, it's definitely one of those things that blurred. You're right. You couldn't tell. I guess that's why it was such a surprise for Harry Smilak, like talking shit about the mom in front of the daughter. Um, Tanya Roberts plays like the daughter that has to listen to her parents and you know is always being controlled um, Tanya Roberts is 31 in this movie <laughs> why is she being controlled at all? It's the 80s <laughs> it's, it's, it's the 80s so again there's not really anything that gets built up in this scene beside the fact that Harry's a terrible person and a terrible person the mother can st tell right away how much of a douche this guy is yeah she but knows never, he's full of it but she never questions it after like she makes like are you sure he's gonna be good but no one follows up there's no follow through up until the night of the event well Sheldon Brockmeyer was vouching for him the whole time Goddamn Donatello and then uh he didn't even put in, like, a little effort for the guy that's doing all of this work for him. He didn't right. try to find anyone. 
He like he was too busy getting quick Rick Roberts signed to even right. think once about this guy that's giving him thousands of dollars right. and paying off all of his debt. Which is why he's the worst protagonist ever. Yep. None of this would have been a problem. So let's jump into the recruitment of Tonga Tom. I wanted to talk about all this right. real quick. Now, why did he bring him into a private room to sign him? Did they fuck? <laughs> I, like, is that... I think he's... Being the scumbag that he is, he's taking advantage of Tonga Tom. Oh, so he's fucking Tom. Yes. Financially. Oh. Literally oh, fucking oh. him over. Oh. Yes. Yes. Literally right. means yes. figuratively. Uh, okay. Yes. You see, I was thinking Tom was fucking him the way Tom brought him into the room. Now, I don't know if this was just the version that we watched, but... I mean, when this it, is the version. When it, No, but I mean... The, the way that this was uploaded, I don't know if it was edited at the beginning or the end, but what we have when we fade into the movie yep. as the music is playing. Credit number one. Credit number one is Sam Fox Sam 2. <laughs> That's not how it starts. The movie starts body slam, big title, okay. him driving down in so California we did, roads. So we did miss uh, like a, probably 30, 30 seconds. seconds or so. Okay. Okay. Um, shouldn't he be credited as Tonga Tom if that's what they're going to call him? <laughs> In the trailer? In the trailer. Yeah, you're right. Um, I also feel like casting so many Samoans takes away from the punch of it because we already have the Comoans. <laughs> the Cormoans. The Cormoans, yes. And then you have Tonga Tom and then you have the Barbarian and you have Tijo Khan who's white but I don't know what he's... He's actually... Tijo Khan who's supposed to be from Singapore or Mongolia who's really just a white man. Yeah. But do any of these guys actually play Samoans in the movie? Um... No. Tonga Tom is an islander. Okay, but he's Tonga Tom not Samoan Tom. But he's clearly a Samoan. He looks... I'm just... But I'm just saying if we're going strictly by the movie... There are no Samoans in this movie. Okay, how, how about so many islanders takes away from the punch of having... And there was that guy from Newport, Rhode Island. All these islanders. <laughs> Alright, um, yeah. so... I mean, again, we're we're hitting 46 minutes in. Oh my god! We gosh. haven't even... We really barely okay, scratched Okay, we need to service. go on. But uh, I wanted to bring up one thing. And this is part of my entire theory about the movie. Is this Quick Rick's face turn... Was he a was he a bad guy with Captain Lou? Well, I mean, he was with Captain Lou for years. We can assume for many years, and yet behind the scenes, this whole about face has has Pun kind intended. of left Rick with crazy popularity out of nowhere. I mean, are there other fan favorites under Lou's reign? Like, what do we think? I don't think it was about Lou. I think it was about face. Of <laughs> Dirk Benedict. <laughs> no, but. This is the real question. I, 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 in, in the world of professional wrestling, as it's presented in this movie, not that we know Wouldn't it they be bad guys? Right. Because they were with Captain Lou. Right. But it seems like Captain Lou was the only manager. So That's... Well, no, there's the, the little guy manager. The midget. No, he was not the a manager. Uh, Mad Dog Are you Tim sure McCl he said he was a manager? He's a manager. Mad Dog Tim McCluskey. Which, when Which well, that's why when they do the show, he the brings three out top three managers top managers in wrestling from the past, the, the present, and, and the, the future. future. I'm and the say, future being M. Harry Smilak, of course, the douche. Do you? Why have the earlier the booking director is Tom McMillan, and then you have Tonga Tom. You have all these weird names. Why have two Toms in it? 
they were set on Tonga Tom. I feel no like whatever what. names they came up with were the first names that they came up with in this movie, and they never changed. And it. I also they think, never deviated. Do you think Tonga Tom? Do you think Tom was like based on Tama? Because that was his wrestling Probably. name. Maybe they they did a variant. Maybe, Maybe they felt like it's it sounded Tom close. Uh, Tonga Tom Tong. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I just um, the entire like all these little aspects of what happens in the wrestling world in this movie infinitely fascinates me. I'd love to know more about the the, the structure and how yeah. it went. It's yeah, what's what happened before but there's no ever acknowledgement of what happened before. There's well, never what happened before doesn't matter because M. Harry Smilak bring for, brings forth the new generation of rock and wrestling together it, yeah. and makes it huge. This, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but that's, but that's what is, we get This at. is AD after Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, when I think about screenwriting, this is what I would have done. At the beginning of the movie, cold open before you get to the credits, you do a scene of Roddy Piper being managed by Captain Lou. Yep. Establish the relationship. Mm -hmm. Establish the conflict that maybe Roddy Piper has. Maybe something happens where Lou causes uh, causes Piper it's the to daughter lose of the niece. Something yes, like that. Yes, oh, ooh, that's like great. That. Perfect. It's amazing. Accidentally caught in the crossfire. Listen, guys, there's it's already built for body slam too, or leg reboot. drop. Leg no drop. reboot. Leg drop. Leg drop. <laughs> Big boot. We the, could do a re we could do a sequel. The sequel yeah. would have to be it would be the Samoans versus yes. Tonga with Mr. Kim as the manager. Yes, it made it perfect sense. So, I mean the Usos have to come in as the next generation. Huh, Uso crazy. <laughs> so he signs Tonga Tom, the powers of pain or the demolition destroyers. What are their names? The it's, cannibals. Uh, the cannibals. Cannibals. Axe and Hammer. Axe and Hammer, the cannibals. Uh, played by the barbarian Tijo Khan. Um, Tijo Khan literally had the greatest um, wrestling debut video in Memphis ever. So if you want to splice that in, you can feel free. It's one of the best videos you're ever going to see. We're not splicing it in. <laughs> I'm Mark Gulin of the House of Gulin, And I am aware that there were many skeptics among you. Those of you who did not believe when I described the awesome powers of the mighty Tijo Khan. Many of you have witnessed the total devastation of anyone who has opposed him in the ring. And now, ladies and gentlemen of the wrestling world, I bring you the mighty Tijo Khan the Great! Look at him! What an animal! Ah, he's able to run the 40-yard dash in 3.5 seconds! And you think your football players are fast and tough? He will pick his teeth with their bones. Ah, the mighty Tijo Khan. Ah, and what an animal. But ladies and gentlemen, I have a surprise coming for you. You must remember Kamala. Well, I have found a man who will make Kamala pale. This man is totally awesome. I found him on one of my trips to the darkest portions of Africa. I will tell you more about him later, but you will see him in the coming week. Your Mamba, the jungle savage. Um, can I just say, I loved his delivery when he, uh, he delivers the line and then he flips his hair that's not in his <laughs> face. He just kind of wiggles his ponytail that's behind him. He does it a couple times. Uh, uh, also, his teeth remind me very much of Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. Yes. Uh, I like how he goes after Roddy Piper for not having a brain or not being very smart when he can barely get two he words out himself. He could barely spit out the line. Yeah. Look, it's... he can put together three sentences. 
<laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> like the line he most had trouble was with was telling somebody that they couldn't speak proper. Exactly. Uh, I love after they threaten Quick Rick, um, the two cannibals laugh and wrap their <laughs> arm arms around arm. each other and walk away laughing. And then they threaten Harry Smilak and then laugh and walk away arm in arm around each other for a second time. <laughs> <laughs> they, they look. I've never seen two big scary guys look so unthreatening. So, 24 minutes into the movie and 51 minutes into the podcast, we get to our first wrestling match. <laughs> Finally. Um... Hold on, oh. this is the this is the this is, this is Piper this is the and Tom against right? the this... masked guys. Is that yes. what we're at here? Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. They had the match. I'm I'm going to afterwards. Right, but um, so the next so they're in the locker room. They get into the, the match. This is Harry Smilek's first night on the job. Yep. Now, one thing that I noted here is the little girl a manager too. No, because later on, she's in the crowd with Tanya Roberts and Bitsy Vandervagen just hanging out. But she's definitely at ringside for this match. And that makes me wonder, was she's Captain Lou's second? Like, did she have the towel? Like, I need to know more about what is going on with professional wrestling in this movie. Or is she also a midget, like Mad Dog Tim McCluskey? <laughs> she's 42 years yes. old in this movie. Master of the Sting Operation. So... I mean, is there anything to talk about at the actual wrestling match? Because it seems pretty basic. Well, I wrote this... down, why is the fucking niece everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, the, all right, we're on the same page. Well, this is where we're supposed to see, you know, the, the team of Rick Roberts and Tonga Tonga. I love that they announced it for the very first time yes, ever. exactly. The so newest tag team. This is a big deal. Shane Daly did a great job. <laughs> this is a big deal in the world of wrestling in this movie that these two guys are In the world together. of wrestling, there's no promotions, there's no company, it is just professional wrestling. Whether it be one match against two local yokels and then a band, anything is accounts as a wrestling show. Spoiler alert. Uh, but they cut back to the locker room. Uh... Is that when is that when Tom takes that nice fucking ice bath? Yes. Are or you the... really hurt? And Harry Smilak asks as he's in the <laughs> ice bath. <laughs> Never felt better. Like a kid on Christmas stuck in a Santa Claus. <laughs> um, he says, uh, someone goes, oh, we got on Carson. And he goes, Johnny, Johnny Carson? Carson? No, Vic Carson. Ring talk! He's, they have the number one talk show on television. So that so, must be more popular than, than Johnny, Johnny Carson. Carson. So why hasn't he heard of him? <laughs> so why didn't he say, Vic Carson? Yeah, right. Oh, Johnny. If someone gets booked for Johnny, they should be very upset that it's not for Vic. By the way, on the way over here, and this was <laughs> bothering me the entire movie, because I'm watching the host of Ring Talk, and I'm saying, who is this guy? I know him. Who is he? And Lumberjake just had to tell me that he was... From the match game, Charles Nelson Charles Riley. Nelson Riley. Riley, and I love the match game, and I oh, love Charles oh. Nelson Riley on the match game. Uh, what are you laughing? What's at? wrong? <laughs> What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> take a Charles, look at that you've shirt. got your shirt on inside. No, out. I don't. Now take it off and put no, it on. No, I don't. Yes, all the you? seams are showing. No, good. <laughs> it is a French seam-showing sailor's shirt. <laughs> Don't try to cut. These are very expensive, and that's Just how they are. So, oh, oh. He was the Paul Lind of the match game. He was. <laughs> so, ring talk. 
Let's talk about Ring Talk Let's real quick. Let's talk about Ring Talk. The audience. Oh, oh my. The audience? All right. <laughs> no, no, Mikey's finally Mikey's pulling out notes. his notes. I mean, I mean, An hour in. <laughs> Uh, so the crowd. You read it in red. I, I have. If you notice, I have three different pens. <laughs> when it's when it's in Ring in Talk, it gets dark red. <laughs> so the crowd from Ring Talk has the greatest spread of people. Spread of people. I think that's perfect, though. Nuns. <laughs> yes. Bikers. bikers uh-huh. The village people. I'm pretty sure there was a transvestite well, in the audience. They were airing Can't Stop the Music before <laughs> Ring Talk, which is why the village people were And there. a little person. And a little person. In the front row. So, Oh, all right. So there were two. Yep. I wrote down nuns, street gangs, midgets, hitting all the quadrants. <laughs> yes. Every, but that is the wrestling audience, though. If you think about okay. it, everybody is a wrestling So that's what they audience. were trying to get there. This is wrestling. This is wrestling. Hold on, hold on. I don't think that's what they were going for. No, Jake, <laughs> you just said it. We have it on tape. <laughs> I just want to say. I don't Tell think, us what you really feel, Jake. I do not think that's what they were going for. I think they were going for a joke, but I feel like it's more true than they were trying <laughs> to put on. Let's put these guys in here. These are the idiots that are going to come watch this stupid wrestling movie. <laughs> um, can I say that the nuns held up a Captain Lou sign. Yep. They had a group sign. So the nuns loved the big heel captain. Um, there were several signs that were yeah, being held um, up by the crowd. Okay, yeah, um, can we get to okay. I, I have something to say about one of those in a second. <laughs> Um, which brings us to Mad Dog Tim McCluskey. Oh, I love this guy. Played by uh, Billy Barty, veteran actor. Um, and fuck face. If he said uh, butt face, no, he said fuck oh, face. No, he did not say. He said butt face. He said butt if face. If you're talking to, if you're talking to me, butt face, I'll break your neck. I'm pretty sure he said fuck face. It, that's my girlfriend. For the record, also thought he said fuck. No, face. I agree with Jake. It was butt face. If you're talking about me, buttface, I'll break your neck. The, the dubbing fa- in this movie he, and the voiceovers he, were not very well done. He can't say fuckface, but he can say faggot. It was the 80s. It was the 80s. And yeah. apparently only... And plus, like, let's, not be, let's, let's not be coy here. He is a faggot. <laughs> can I just say, um, only little people are allowed to say it, though, because Tim McCluskey says it, and then the man in the crowd with the, with the sign, sign yep. is also the little person. So only <laughs> little people are allowed Christ. to throw that around, apparently. And Captain Lou wouldn't say it. Captain no. Lou didn't say it. He's no. like, you know, here's a, a, a faggot. Yeah. Yeah, you could say it, Tim. There was a hilarious bit when the um, Captain Lou tried to get like the sea closest to Charles Nelson Riley, but Tim, Mc- but he like yes, tossed Smilak out of the way, and then Mc- then McCluskey took the seat, and then he moves to McCluskey. <laughs> That's good physical comedy. That, I, like I that. wrote that down. I'm like the moving seats bit made me laugh. Best part of the movie so far, <laughs> I'd easily. Uh, another sign that was held up by the audience during Ring Talk was "Stop the Wimp," which <laughs> Captain Lou had just said two <laughs> seconds prior that they just happened to. Have have a sign that said that. <laughs> no, that's his catchphrase. Oh. <laughs> Stop the whip. Um, uh, I love when they went to break. Charles Nelson Riley walks off the set and takes a swig of his flask. <laughs> yes, that's another great. You know what? Charles Nelson Riley, great in this movie. I love Charles Nelson Riley. He's was he not also a spokesman later on in life during the nineties? I believe he was. That's that's what I remember most for until the match game and my love of Necker Chiefs. So totally, Dirk Benedict, not a stunt double. Gets tossed. <laughs> yeah. well, although I think it was a stunt double for Captain Luke because I don't think he could bill toss somebody that well. So t- 
two stunt doubles. Two stunt stunt doubles. Do we know for sure that there was no stunt double there? That he actually took? Did you? No. I, I'll did you go back and watch? They it put Dirk times? Benedict in a fucking dress <laughs> and concealed his entire body to and get tossed out of the ring right. later on. Exactly. That was absolutely a stunt. That double. was that was. I thought that that was the second time. The first time was during ring talk. In ring talk. What I'm saying is. You think that he did that stunt for I real? I thought that's himself. what you said. No, no, I'm saying it was clear. I Clearly was being sarcastic. Okay, all right. When I said totally Dirk Benedict, oh, I was being Mike sarcastic. <laughs> I took you way too literally yeah. there. I, I was mean, winking to you I when mean, I said it. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about how much Dirk Benedict loved this movie. So yeah. he might have just taken the fall for it. Who knows? Although you can't say, mess that picture perfect hair. He did some know, great By the way, I have my perfect movie. M. Harry Smiley hair going really? on right I'm going to take a picture of this later yes. to throw up there. <laughs> All right. But Rinka Talk just kind of ends abruptly when Harry Smilek is tossed off of set. Right. It's not the only thing This that ends scene abruptly. is over with. <laughs> Another plot line left dangling. Yep. And uh, that's cut back to Tanya Roberts. So. Basically, Harry Smilek tricks Tanya Roberts into sex. Yeah. Um, hey, nice rear end. Uh, yes. I meant the I car. I meant the car. <laughs> oh, nice body. Oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Are we back right now? Yeah, we're back. Yeah. Why? What is up with you? Why can't we just... You just tell us when we're going. You just yeah. start recording willy-nilly. Because I want it all natural. All right. He uh, he actually invites her up for lunch, and uh, he goes... She goes, rather, I, I don't, don't eat lunch. lunch. <laughs> Who doesn't eat lunch? <laughs> Literally. I mean, to be fair... To be Who fair. eats lunch? Well, she's also making up any excuse to not go out with this guy. Which does a complete flip, like... Three minutes later. Yep. And then then he goes into a full lumberjack uh, excuse. You know what? Why don't you just drive? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm okay with. I like his style. It's like, listen, you don't trust me? You can just drive. With, with her car. And his, right. he's wearing a neck brace at this point. Yes. Because he totally got thrown out of the ring. <laughs> Again. Absolutely, he got thrown out. Yeah. More sympathy that I do not feel for this guy, which no they're trying so hard, and it just, I don't feel it. Um, then he starts feigning a, his neck injury to get her back to his yes. house. Into the hot tub. Tries to get her to walk him into the hot tub, but interrupted for the second dun, time. Dun. Gong out from the shed walks. Mr. Kim. Mr. Kim. With the Cormoans. Yep. With the Cormoans, who uh, Tanya Roberts tries to stand up to him. But they just tip the car over the side of a cliff that's there now. <laughs> the second attempt of destroying a car right. by the Kamoans. So, again, well, not the throwing last. my pen. Whoa, whoa. But, okay, so I need to just bring this up briefly. I've watched a lot of movies over the years. I, I don't want to call myself an expert about movies, but I'm an expert about movies. And... I cannot understand why they would film this scene without the actors. It's just voiceover. You see the car getting pushed yep. by the Cormoans. That's my mother's car! Yep. That's no! It's rolling down the hill. I, I, I can write that off. Oh, no, that doesn't look too bad. I'll just get We're that. totally in this scene talking. <laughs> like, it's just... I think they got it from an old episode of uh, Hogan's Heroes of a car rolling down a hill. Like... Just for reference sake, pretend anything is happening right now, and then Jake, Mike, and myself are just there talking about it. Like, they 
are to that scene as we are to this movie. Just talking <laughs> over it. Hey, man, this is a great wrestling show. I love ring talk. It's like us trying to pretend we were there for this entire movie being filmed. It's just not... That's like right, Daisy. Daisy Marks Loomis, the representarian <laughs> of the dog community. Like It bothered me so much that they couldn't spring for a few extra bucks to have them involved in the scene. Let's just get them in the studio, do voiceover. It's fine. Forget about it. Um... I actually didn't think Harry Smilak's physical comedy was that bad in this scene. He's, mm. I, I feel like he's... He has back spasms, his neck's going yeah. out of it, he's, he's closing the door. When he closes the door, he pushes himself yeah, that's into that's my it. favorite, that was my... Auga! Auga! <laughs> falls backwards. <laughs> oh, God. And then an anvil his head, he turns into an accordion. <laughs> he works for Acme Products, it's fine. So we finally meet Kicks. Um, as excuse me. No, 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 no. Oh, at this point they are Kicks. Okay, then why are you okay. trying to correct me? But they, I mean, nobody Spoiler. knows them as Kicks. Well, they will go on. Um, can, I, can I say about Kicks? They're kid tested and mother approved. <laughs> <laughs> Not according to a quick Rick's niece. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Um, can I just say when he gets out of his car to meet Kicks? Um. <laughs> Some a female jogger Meat goes. Kick sounds disgusting. A female jogger goes by and says, "Nice car," and he responds nice, with, "Nice, nice ass. ass." And I wrote down again, "The least likable person <laughs> ever, like the worst person ever." Not only has he had a girlfriend, he's also trying to court Tanya Roberts, mm -hmm. and he's still being a total pig to this woman. Correct. So kicks is practicing in their garage. garage. Their garage band. Uh huh. And of he course. starts. And he starts. You guys are the best. You guys are great. To which the lead singer goes. We know our stuff is great. <laughs> um, we're playing in a garage. We open for a Dairy Queen. Can I just say, Kicks, your stuff is not great at all. A little well, plus, we can all agree here they have one song. They only play one song throughout this entire movie. Yeah. Um, no, they have two songs. They also played the uh, montage song, Push. Oh. When uh, they're they're having the road trip, That's I stand corrected. But I think we can all agree that their hit song was the American Way. Wow. Can I tell you guys how much I love this song without well, hyperbole? The greatest we, song of all time. Greatest song of all time. Absolutely. I actually, uh, when they performed it at, uh, once again, getting ahead, <laughs> getting ahead. Daisy. This movie isn't that long, but. It goes on forever. Yes. This, I believe it takes over, takes part over the course of seven months. Much like you listening to this podcast, it, it goes, goes on, on forever. forever. Um, I'd say the wrestlers' acting is on par with a lot of the members of the band. The band members... I'd say the wrestlers are better. I, I think that's outside of T. Joe Khan. <laughs> and even then, he really puts he, it out there. He was there. trying. He tried think, something different with his hair whip. All the wrestlers know what they're getting into. They know what kind of movie they're in. They're just working. Yeah. They're trying to put it out there. These actors, these musicians. <laughs> yep, I agree, Daisy. Um, so after he convinced Kicks to perform Gotta, for the big gig, big gig, huge not, gig. Not going to tell you what it is, but again, an awful manager, terrible, terrible manager. Now, but, mind you, he's. Getting kicks to be a part of this fundraiser. Picking up a storyline from the first five minutes of the movie. To which he has promised the likes of Barbara Streisand. Oh, um, no, no, no. He just said Barbara. Barbara, yes. Frank. Correct. To which George. Yes. To which everybody assumes that they that Barbara Streisand is going to be there. 
To which, big surprise, they're not. Which I uh, noted after the fact, because again, Harry Smilak at this point is trying to just get Tanya Roberts to leave the fundraiser, not actually see what happens. Yeah, Because he knows it's going to be a disaster. And she'll and, never find out. And it's going to end much like a Great White concert, by the way. <laughs> wow. Oh my Listen, gosh. I wrote that down, but I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> that is, Shots fired. That is clearly... Speaking of fire. <laughs> that is clearly a fire has that whole time. And can I say, they went with the elegant circus theme. Uh-huh. And then um, this guy, Norton Wilshire, is so unpopular that the guy introducing the talent gets popcorn and stuff. Where you can out. literally see somebody's hand... <laughs> When they're throwing the popcorn. They must have walked right up in front of him and whipped it. Whipped it right in his face. So as I noted for this entire thing, uh, as far as Harry Smilak, asshole does asshole thing, news at 11. Like, it's a shock that the worst protagonist ever would screw over so many people, politician or not. Yeah. He's screwing over his girlfriend, his new girlfriend. He's screwing his, over... And his previous girlfriend. <laughs> And Senator Nerdstrom. And, <laughs> uh, and his lawyer who gave him thousands of dollars. Yep. And it, his just, band. It um, it's ridiculous how awful of a person that is. And we're more than halfway through this movie. And he's seen no redemption, no it's change. Coming. I mean, allegedly. Slightly. So... We get to now Harry Smilak in a dress, hiding from the world. Yes. For the big match at the Los Angeles Sports Arena. Which, when he walks into the locker room, uh, can you read that top line for me? And we can. And this is Mikey will be Quick Rick, and I'm going to be Tonga Tom. Okay. Sounds like Harry. Don't look like Harry. (laughs) 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 Just totally talking over him. Couldn't wait to get his line out. (laughs) And as I noted, Tonga Tom definitely wants to fuck Harry again. Yes. As a woman. Well, this time as a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's just something different. Right. Change it up for a bit. Um, and um, Quick Rick Roberts from Evanston, Indiana, America's Heartland. <laughs> that is the exact... <laughs> oh. Literally the exact quote they're given. Um, and then out of nowhere, they're replaced, their opponents replaced right. by... So here, here's the thing. And... Now again, we're probably what forty minutes into this movie, forty-five minutes into this movie. We're about to find out. They just introduce commentators. Yes. Now this blows my mind. It infuriates me. I just I, I can't understand why not bring the commentary team into the mix a little bit earlier in the first wrestling scene. Like you use it like in Major League uh, with Bob Uecker. Do it as a way to drop exposition. And just kind of set up what's happening in the world of wrestling. But you just randomly throw them in 45 minutes into the movie. And then, um, very as abruptly as they start, they immediately cut. Like, the guy's mid-sentence. And you just hear the audio drop. Just drops right out. Um, And... A little fun fact, um, the the cannibals, they weren't supposed to wear face paint during this scene. Um, what happened was, the barbarian actually had a crush on one of the girls in this movie. Um, not, was it the little girl? It was not the little girl, it was not Kelly Martin. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he got really, really drunk on set. So what happened was, he went up to the hotel room, the floor she was on, and he started kicking in all the hotel room doors, <laughs> screaming her name. 
Um, the police were called, and they handcuffed him. And when he was in handcuffs, when they when he was in handcuffs, they maced him. The barbarian put his mouth on the nozzle and ingested the pepper spray and laughed at them. And as they were taking him to the police car, they were walking him past it, and he headbutted the windshield and shattered it. What? That's why they had to cover up the giant knot and scar on his forehead with face paint in this scene. That's, That's amazing. That is Fantastic. directly from Dirk Benedict. Told that story firsthand. My God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love wrestlers from the 80s. <laughs> I couldn't imagine <laughs> being a non-wrestler in that... <laughs> in, 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 like, viewing any of that happening. Ah. Um, so, this is the original Double Cross. I'd wager Vince Russo loves this movie. Absolutely. I think he got everything he knows from this movie. Swerve. From the hardcoreness to the, the, the transgender... <laughs> Vince Russo learned everything he knows about booking from this movie. Where do you think Sammy came from? <laughs> um, sorry, that's unprofessional. Um, so they destroy the. They immediately destroy the ref. Uh, Captain Lou has a stretcher ready yep. for Harry, or should I say, Harriet? Hey, very clever line from Captain Lou. Um, Daisy's giving her input. I love the referee. I mean, the uh, ring announcer, the rather. The, the ring announcer, rather, says, uh, Oh, can you believe that? Yeah, sure. Kick a guy while he's down, Lou. Like, he's just very disappointed with him. It's wrestling. <laughs> what are you expecting to happen? These commentators have never seen wrestling before. Or the announcer. Well, that would make sense. And, um... What might be the greatest high spot of all time happens in this scene when Tonga Tom gets back into the ring and goes for a high cross body, which is immediately just ducked by the barbarian, and he takes a full on dives into an abyss, into oblivion. Over the top row. Over the abyss top row to the movie? outside, and he's gone. Yep. So, here's a question it's the 1980s, kayfabe is very much a thing. Did these guys really gig? These, in, in this part of the movie, the cannibals are going off script. They're going into business yes, for themselves. Right. Vince Russo. And destroying Tonga Tom and Rick Roberts with here. With chains. Chains, making him bleed. But they're hanging him with chains. Yes. Over the top rope. They hung him. Uh, both Quick Rick and Tonga Tom are bleeding. And they also mug for the camera incessantly. <laughs> Wait, from so the is the camera actually view. there? Or is it for the movie camera? I would assume it was, the, it was from the eyes of Quick Rick. There's a couple of great shots from the camera in the ring at this point. There, there was a shot between the legs of both wrestlers. This must have been in the second wrestling part of this movie. <laughs> so, Bless you. You blow off my question. Did these guys blade? Um, I would say yes, and I'll tell you why. I bet you I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Dirk Benedict told the story from on set. I know the story. When uh, they were filming the wrestling scenes... They the were, main event. They were in front of a real wrestling crowd. Um, due to them having to do several takes of moves and stuff like that, the fans started getting very upset and weary and yelling fake and saying that it was all bogus. And then uh, Roddy Piper and the Barbarians started getting into a few words. And then uh, they had a few more words. And then they got into a shoving arg argument. And... Uh, 
what ended up happening was uh, they came to blows and they really hit each other and they had, and everyone was like, oh no, oh geez. And they had to stop filming, they had to break it up, they had to pull it all apart. It was all a setup by director Hal Needham to give the illusion uh-huh. that they were really, really upset. These wrestlers are volatile, anything goes. So I think by protecting kayfabe, when these guys are getting beat up by chains, Piper and Tonga, they, they gig themselves, right? Also, um, during the main event, they actually cut the scene out. Um... Dirk Benedict pulls one of Captain Lou's rubber bands out of his face, oh. rips it out of his face, and they cut it out. Um, Captain Lou, uh, like he had the rubber band in his face, legit with the the diaper pins. And Dirk Benedict goes, "Hey, go over to special effects, and they'll uh, they'll put some on with some spirit gum, and they'll stick it on there for you." He goes, "No, it's got to be real." Jesus so he legitimately Christ. had him rip the rubber band out of his face, um, which caused giant spurt of blood and a big <laughs> chunk of flesh stayed onto the pin, and uh, he was bleeding everywhere. And they didn't use the scene, <laughs> so Captain Lou did it for nothing, but to protect the business. Of to protect the business it has to be real. So we get to the hospital. Um, in the scene that cements him as the worst individual I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't understand why this happened. I don't it's a fun gag. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun at all. Where Harry Smilak, who is on crutches, falls onto some poor schmo that's sitting in a wheelchair, in a wheelchair. with his arm in a cast, his legs up, he's clearly... He can't talk. He can look around slightly. Um, and then he just kind of leaves him after he falls on top of him pats him why would back. you pat him on the back at the end give him a little forward momentum rolls him forwards into the road to into oncoming traffic oncoming traffic clearly causes a huge accident and Harry Smilek responds with eh, at least he's close to the hospital <laughs> I, I wrote they down sh- they show the few <laughs> there's construction workers running, running towards the scene this- the guy the poor guy is on top of a car still in the wheelchair by the way <laughs> I wrote down in my notes, asshole kills a poor guy in a wheelchair. Oh, God. And this brings me to my entire theory for the movie. And I want to present it to you guys and and truly get your thoughts. Because, again, I've been thinking so much about this movie over the last two weeks. You said that there were no likable characters in this movie, right? To me, there wasn't one. Okay. So, I give you this. Roddy Piper is the true hero of this movie. The Roddy Piper character, Quick Rick, he got out from under the thumb of his treacherous manager who's been manipulating him and using him for years upon years, looking to do right by the only person he cares about in life is his niece. I wrote daughter, but I guess it's his niece. After getting brutalized by the big bad tag team, managed by his former manager, him and his best friend tag team partner hit the road to find themselves and find redemption. That, to me, is the story. That, to me, is a very simple movie. And it doesn't even have Dirk Benedict in it. But if you need to have a Dirk Benedict, have him be the comedy relief. He's the forever so, wrong manager. All right. The thing is... So, Rick... Rick so, You're Rick. saying he was a bad guy. I'm saying that if we go by what the movie presents us with... Piper should have been was, the lead. Yes. And that if he was managed by Captain Lou for years, and at the beginning of this movie is that he breaks free from him, that's the movie. Yep. But... I feel like he couldn't have been at all a bad guy because he's clearly watching his niece 24-7. That's nary a scene without his niece. He's a good guy that did bad bad things and then he finally has the the choice. 
Right. For money to take care of his niece. Right. So he had to do those bad things. But, but we don't know that. We don't know I, where this we don't know anything. from. Okay. We don't know anything. So they get destroyed. They're in the hospital. They finally get out of the hospital after who knows who lo- how long. And they. it seems like they're all done with wrestling. No. I think Tonga and Piper are very clearly still ready to fight. They are very happy. Yeah. The most happiest men in our hospital I've ever seen. (laughs) They're just smiling, getting read comic books to them. So we get to a scene where at some beach house, I don't know where we are. So it's the same house we've seen over and over again. But did his did his did Byron Shapiro ever get paid the rent? Apparently he's still there. Well he got the money from the fundraiser. But then all the money fundraiser hasn't even happened. Well, yet. he's been getting money from oh, wrestling. That's right, the fundraiser. Okay, yeah, he's been getting paid. Okay. He got uh, paid by Tonga and oh, Piper. Also, that brings up uh, another okay. point. Um, for Roddy Piper, Quick Rick Roberts, and Tonga Tom, he collects five hundred dollars up front, and then per week. How the f- how is Kick? <laughs> How is Kicks <laughs> paying him when they're just a, clearly a garage band? It's the eighties. And it's that DQ money, brother. I feel like I could have gotten a garage band and opening at a Dairy Queen. Yeah. And he, this is a man that's supposed to be a former top agent. Yes. But this is again why I feel Roddy Piper would have made a better protagonist. Okay. Like there's that we we gave him an arc. We gave him. The opportunity to be good and do right by his niece. Dirk Benedict could have been a great comedy relief in this movie. You mentioned that he had great comic timing. That physical he, comedy. Good physical comedy. Awooga! Like, there's the, an opportunity there. The character wasn't right for the role that he was given. Right. Yeah. So I, I just think there was more there. And then you also mentioned how Dirk Benedict had no real uh, progression in this movie. But I'd argue... When he didn't put gel in his hair and grew that's, a little bit yep, of stubble. That's exactly what I'm getting <laughs> while, while looking out onto the beach. Yep. That's huge his, character growth. His hair's disheveled. He's wearing a t-shirt. Oh, when look, have you seen him in a t-shirt? Looks like sweatpants. Sweatpants? I mean, Ugh. he's really... Although I do love Roddy Piper's blouse in this segment. <laughs> <laughs> Very low cut. He's wearing a blouse and mom jeans. <laughs> and his hair is also cut in a very mom haircut. Well, I mean, he he's basically the mom for Holly. Is it Molly? First Holly? of all, it's can Dirk Benedict only missing. grow a goatee? Because when he has this five o'clock shadow in this scene, it's only a where goatee. a goatee would be. Um, well, coming from somebody that has a hard time growing facial hair, I'll say that you get it where you got it. <laughs> and you got to just go with the flow. Uh, his face just isn't made for it. Face, <laughs> face, because he was an A team. His face. Also, this is uh, other than the bum 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 bum. This is the greatest musical cue in this when he gets the yep. inspiration. Well, this is the turn of the movie here. This this, is, well, this is the turn. Yes, this is supposed to be the turn. Well, so okay, I'm still not buying it. If first this is, of all, because kick <laughs> still sucks. Yes, suck. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, so. Okay, so if he's had to change his heart, he hasn't put gel in his hair, yep. he's wearing sweats, uh-huh. and he's got stubble. Shouldn't the rest of the movie, he's like this? Shouldn't this what his character well, be well, going no, forward? no, because at this point, he's down, he's he's very at the, he's at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. And this realization that he can bring wrestling and rock and roll together inspires him to not be a douche. Um, or does it? No, no, he's still a douche. <laughs> still a huge douche. 
All right. So <laughs> him st- no, that's just a uh, that's just a apparently a coral sweater he's wearing. I kind of like that sweater. <laughs> over a you white totally team. wear that sweater. John's, I have that sweater. Then he goes to John Stamos, who's clearly oh, the hair, huh? He, that is classic John Stamos hair. The lead singer has. Although if this was '86, this was before Full House. Oh, John Stamos ripped him off. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. There are so many people that have ripped off Body Slam. Jesse and the Kickers. <laughs> <laughs> so here we get the the seeds planted for rock and wrestling. Yep. Spoiler alert. But he recruits but, kicks. But rock and wrestling. Um, well, before he, we still haven't even had the fundraiser yet. Yes, we did. Did we have the? Did we, like oh, you know 20 what? Twenty minutes ago. I'm sorry. We I'm <laughs> see. When my internet goes down here, I was a little little confused here. So we did because we he talked. Was waiting this whole I time made, for Norton. I Bush made the out. Great White reference. Uh, yes, okay. Can you tell us what this movie's about, Mikey? Um, no, give me my uh, notes. Give me my notes. Uh, let me. Uh, uh, no, we okay. didn't. Although we did kind of breeze over the fundraiser. We did. I wanted to talk a band, little more about when the band burst through pictures of yes. the man and then had the worst pyro I've ever seen. So at that point, everybody hates kick. And then all of a sudden they're good. Well, no, they were never bad. I mean, they opened yeah, they, for Dairy Everybody Queen. hated them. No, they well, knew no, they, they were great. They hated that they opened at the fundraiser. Hands closed because they were the only musical <laughs> performance there. Um, then we cut for the record. Um, that's the Alaskan Jay York in the montage wearing the jeans. Great, so, great montage. No by the fucks way. given though, because every wrestling match is filmed in the same arena. Like they're on tour. Yep. In the same place. In the same every place. Time. Every arena looks exactly the same. Um, also, I, there's some uh, blatant Skittles product placement in there. I don't know <laughs> if that was intentional, but clearly a big bag of Skittles being eaten by. I would say it was very unintentional. <laughs> no way would they have realized. Possibly a lawsuit pending. Now it is because we've just brought it up. So the reason they actually go on tour is because there are they running from the cannibals? No, and they, they, they can't get booked. Okay. Because again, in this world of professional wrestling, where we don't know the technicalities of it all or where, where, how this works, basically they can't get into any major arenas. They can't. They can't get booked anywhere because Captain Lou runs everyone, okay. and if you book them, then he'll pull his wrestlers. This You're what, blackballed. You're blacklisted. Which is what I assume is what they're going. So for. now they start their own wrestling promotion and go around. They hit the streets. They hit yeah. the road. They I mean, hop in a school bus, apparently with a wrestling ring in there somewhere. Apparently somewhere. Or they just have wrestling rings across the country. They have wrestling rings in every arena in the, co- in okay. the country. Okay. And they also have stages for bands to right. play. And during. with all of their Correct. music equipment. Yes. And they also have a... a was a pig show? Was yeah, that- there was a there was a uh, there was the pig auction. Pig auction. Um, in every to, arena in the country. Yeah, not to be confused with artificial insemination night. <laughs> <laughs> Which was double booked, by the Which way. Which was also double. This guy's he has a computer. He should not be making these mistakes. <laughs> that was his whole point. He's the only guy in that entire state that owns a computer. He looks like a very old Bobby Brady. Aww. Just want to throw that out there. And his name is Elmo. Yeah, good name. A great name. Another great name. Another great name in the movie. He has a full name. I couldn't tell you his last name. I've stopped. My mind was melting from writing down all these god awful names. So, due to the comedy of errors of double double booking the, the venue, we have. What are we gonna do? We can't right. wrestling. Well, rock and roll. My daddy used to say, "When you go only get ten dollars, and you want to go down to the to the whorehouse." You better get as much bang for your buck. Get it? Bang for your buck? (laughs) So, 
Mikey, what do they do? So he decides to let's have him on the same night. He makes he has the posters already made up for the wrestling show, and then he makes up the the other posters and puts it on top of the date, and makes it together. So we have rock and wrestling together. Well, um, well, he's he's not so much promoting a wrestling show as much as he's promoting Quick Rick Roberts, the only name on the poster. <laughs> Talking Tom can't even get on the goddamn poster. Now, here's the thing: you you think what you just set up is the birth of rock and wrestling, uh-huh. but it still isn't really that. It was going to be a rock and roll show and then followed wrestling. by wrestling. Right. Which, again, it just feels like we are delaying the inevitable here, and they are just dragging this out. Dragging dragging it is a good thing. Just dragging things on and on to the point where I wasn't satisfied with the ending of this movie. I'll tell you that right now. Whoa, whoa. Well, Real to talk. Be, to be fair, Kix is LA's hottest rock and roll band. So... <laughs> All right, so we get to the big event. Well, I guess one of the big events. Well, this is the big... This is the birth. This is the birth. This is They're actually promoting the $1,000 to anyone who can pin Quick, Quick Rick, Roberts. Rick Roberts at the San Bernardino Arena. Man, fuck Tonga Tom, huh? I yeah, guess it's so. All about, I mean, it's all about Quick Rick Roberts. What's he paying him for? He's getting paid? <laughs> that comes out of their pay, the 1000 Well, and paid. Kelly Martin, Heather yeah, Molly... Yeah, she also gets a uh, cut of the money. And uh, they also just stapled the posters to the side of some... Some food truck. <laughs> um, yeah, just, no one questions that. No. Coming from somebody that has put up many posters in his day, that is not how it works. So we finally get a different arena. We finally get a different venue for the big birth of rock and wrestling. And we finally have people enjoying kicks. Yep. For the first time in this movie. Everyone seems to be... It's funny. Nobody liked kicks in the slightest bit previous. Right. But in the final scene, everyone that was at the Norton Wilshire event, st- event right. was there, and they loved them. <laughs> and the only people who didn't like them were uh, Freddie Blassie and she and had she, yes, exactly. who were just chumming it up in the front row. <laughs> oh, my God. So let's talk about this $1,000 body slam challenge. <laughs> it's whoever can pin. Body slam or pin? Pin. So why it's called a body slam challenge? No, it was thousand dollars. The poster says thousand dollars to anyone who can pin quick Rick Roberts. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, and also when they announce, oh, okay. First of all, why is the hall manager on the microphone at all? He can just shut the fuck up. And why is the lady from the wedding singer playing the piano in this <laughs> yeah, movie? Listen, the rapping there, granny. There needs to be an organ at every wrestling show. <laughs> to which the organ, very pivotal point here actually creates the rock and wrestling. I, I wrote that down. Yeah. That's the that's the inspiration yes. to get them to uh, start hulking up. Yep. If you will. Because uh, her... Yeah, it's, it's killing it's killing the, the energy. I don't know what that means, though. Because the... That's like, that's like a big yes. moment. That's like, that builds up the energy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, the challengers for this competition... He'll Mike Pava and Lumberjay. Yes. yes. Well, what we have here is great uh, comedy because at first we have Pee Wee Hitchens uh, who who comes out and they're like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake, right? Also, they announce him as the first opponent, like the, yeah. the first name drawn, so first name on the so, list. And then it turns out to be a tag team <laughs> match, right? It turns yeah. out to be well, a tag yeah. team match. I guess so. Because his brother and partner... Um, <laughs> did I not write this down? Who looks uh, exactly like oh. me if I had a short haircut? <laughs> Little Will, of course. Little, of course. Will, Little Will Hutchins. 
I've seen you guys team up so many times that this is a perfect rendition. <laughs> it's the it first really thing is. I thought of. But yeah, immediately. <laughs> Look at Mikey jumping off the rope like that. Mikey's always sneaking around. We we've done that spot. <laughs> and now that now that we're gonna do Body Slam two, we can actually put ourselves in the ah. movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Pee Wee, uh, or excuse me, <laughs> little little Will, um, very much. Like Kamala can't figure out how to pin someone correctly, mm-hmm. pinning uh, Roddy Piper while he's on his stomach. Help me! <laughs> Do something! I'll get the papers from the car so we can sign this guy. <laughs> That's not a bad idea in theory. No, this guy's a monster. Which would have um, been great for the final scene in the movie if they come back in and help. Right, Piper and Tonka Tom. They're in the crowd. They're in the crowd during the main event. <laughs> Everybody's in the crowd far and wide. They toured the country, but everyone came out. Returned to LA. Yeah. For this big. So rock music powers up Tonka Tom and, and Quick Rick. Yep. Um, but um, rock music, who's also playing. Like it's the instrument that makes all the difference. I would say it's the power of kicks. Yes. Not the instruments. It's nobody, the people. It's the rock. But nobody and wrestling. kicks anybody. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's it's such a confusing. It the. Also, is the is the is the referee the principal from Back to the Future? <laughs> <laughs> You're a slacker. Get out of the ring. Uh, I I don't know. Um. This tying the suspenders to the corner is a brilliant bit. That is a that? great bit, actually. Never done that before. <laughs> Although, as a man that wears suspenders in the ring, you probably should. <laughs> so, um, Tonga Tom uh, bumped into Lil Will and got knocked into, like, the third, the third row. row. <laughs> and then... Big roll-up finish. Big roll-up. So, by beating these two country hicks... Yes. ...that has now prepared them uh-huh. to get back onto the big scene. Because now they're in the Rolling Stone magazine. Were they just they're- touring, wrestling against... People, I guess so. <laughs> that was their yeah. again. There's so much I want to know about pro wrestling in this movie that we have no idea about. Does that also imply that the Alaskan Jay York was also a uh, a guy in the crowd, and all the other people from the montage were just people in the crowd? Yeah, I guess so. But some of them wore tights. They showed up in tights. <laughs> I mean, there's again, there's so many questions about how wrestling works in this universe. Um, they're, they're, they somehow made it into Rolling Stone. They got an interview where we're introduced to the brand new name for the rock and roll band, Kick. Kick, Kick without the S. Well, well what, what, have whoever. you ever heard of the Who's? <laughs> what about the Beatles? Now, on the side of the bus, Kick's uh, slogan is Hot Licks. Of kicks. <laughs> now it's the hot lick. Now it's the hot lick of, of kick, kick, I would assume, <laughs> that they would have to change that. Also, now finally with the actual rock and wrestling posters, Tonga Tom finally, finally gets got on, the on there. Yeah. So these guys are pretty pretty successful now. So now they now what they were doing before was touring the country. Now they're touring the country because we see which I assume is well, the they were touring girl. The before too. Right, that's yes. what I'm saying, but now it's with rock and wrestling. But now, and their belt, and their bus is much better. There's a big belt, big on the belt side of on it. it. Yeah, and it's we know great. they're going across the country because I assume the little girl is tracing over their area with a big red marker. But she I'm sure su- shit not going to school. I'm surprised she wasn't using a crayon. Well, no, no, that was for later on yes. with the uh, postcards. She was writing that she wrote in crayon, which like, they bring up later on in yep. the movie. Where is this girl's family? 
What happened to Rick her? Rick is her. No, no. His, what it, happened to her mom and dad? We don't know. What do you think happened? I think they're dead. Did, did Quick Rick kill them? No, no. I think they had a terrible car accident. Oh. It was actually his brother, uh, Slow Rick, couldn't get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> get out of the way! <laughs> so I love as soon as we finally get to see Harry Smi- uh, M. Harry Smilak. He's he's got his nice suit. He goes in back into full douche mode. Yes, he's right. got the big extra long cigar. <laughs> oh my god! It's Compensating for something. Talking to Eric Idle apparently. It's <laughs> or one of the Armstrongs. <laughs> yeah, that's Steve Armstrong with uh, Scott Armstrong's hair. But M. Harry Smiley goes right back to being and just a tool bullshitting the Rolling Stone. Yeah, writer. It's just. It, he is unlikable and unsavable, if you ask me. So, when when they finally got the Rolling Stone magazine, I almost expected like a third act twist. Like they were gonna, they were all excited about the article, and it was gonna they, be only about Harry, or it was gonna be like, "This is stupid." Right? Captain okay. Little Moran. Like I expected some weird, like last minute, like just roadblock. Yes. But it's it was never an issue. It was no. It was like everything's perfect. So this is so from here. I'm writing the hero of this world, M. Harry Smilak. He goes against the norm. He saves professional wrestling. He ushers in the era of rock and wrestling. They have everything. They have money. They have fame. But these guys, they want those tag team titles. Of course, fucking marks. They want like, their revenge and they want the belts. But they they could just walk away. But they, don't want they could it. create their own tag team championship. They can create their no, own wrestling no, 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 promotion. No, because no, all wrestling is one. In this movie, yes. In this movie, that's yeah. why the Cannibals have been champions for, for five, five years. Which they do not bring up in previous this match when they. So uh, maybe let's let's get to ring talk real quick. Um. Also, they when they came up for their match, they didn't. They weren't carrying any belts. They were carrying chains. Right. Championship chains. Of course, as most of us would. Yes. So. So now they have to come up with a plan to basically trick Captain Lou into accepting this championship challenge. Which again, we had no idea they were tag team champions, let alone for five whole years. Yes. But how is how is Harry Smiley going to be able to convince Captain Lou? I'm just so happy of the odds that he found himself a tag team to challenge against the tag team for five years. It just all worked out so perfectly sure. that he teamed them together. Um, when, if he's going to be touring the country wrestling, why doesn't he just put Quick Rick against Tonga Tom and you have a natural match right there with two guys that you're signed by? No need to put up $1,000. No need to challenge Country Hicks every time you go out there. It's a great question. Um, they go back to ring talk. Captain Lou... Um, I don't know if it's during the first or second time, for the record, the midget's now holding a Mad Dog McCluskey sign <laughs> representing his midget <laughs> brethren. He needs to get his name out there. They gotta stick together. Um, I love those Coke bottle glasses yeah, that Carson has. Uh, uh, He's great in this scene. He's great in the entire I movie. I know, but this Charles part Nelson where... Riley's great I in love, life. I love Charles Nelson Riley, but I love this point where he's in between Captain Lou, he's in between M. Harry Smilak, and here's... Here's where I think is this where we're supposed to really finally like the guy where he's 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 Dick Carson I already love him. He's being he's trying to he's he's luring his his big enemy into this match. He's saying they're all the right things to get him to put the titles on the line and and put their careers on the line as well. Yeah. Which is a little ridiculous, right? Um so only Captain Lou's career and his career as a manager are on the line. Okay. All right. 
And then Tonga I, th- I thought he said my guy's contracts as well. Like yeah, the, he, yeah. So Captain Lou so would get their win contracts. Okay, right, I get what you're saying. But so then Harry would be. So why does Harry want to be the manager? Harry becomes of- the biggest villain in this movie by controlling. Well, you see everything. He, Harry wouldn't get the contracts of the Cannibals. He just wants the tag team titles. So he needs a little leverage. So he would be able to get his wrestlers back. Although Quick Rick and Tonga Tom state that if they lose, they're done wrestling also. So there's very little high stakes. Yeah, it's very little like room for like error there for this whole. <laughs> so, how does he trick him? How does he do it? Uh, he he makes fun of him. Well, naturally, makes fun the, of Captain Lou with with such high stakes here. Yeah. Okay. So, the 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 midget. Whoa, Billy Barty. Whoa. Tim whoa, McCluskey. Whoa. The midget. Oh, he has a name. Throws around faggot like. <laughs> It's nothing, okay? Yes. To which M. Harry Smilax says, Hey, um, you know, Captain Lou, you're wearing kind of earrings hanging off your ear. You kind of look like a faggot. In in not as many words. But basically. And that's how he gets Captain Lou to put the titles and the contract. So homophobia. Homophobia. A hundred percent. That's right. Our hero, M. Harry Smilax, (laughs) tricks the manager that He's been kind of a jerk, but he hasn't really done anything outwardly evil. He actually had contracted wrestlers that were stolen from him by Harry yes. Smilak. He really hasn't done anything wrong. Um, and with that word being thrown around so much, how do you think Charles Nelson Riley felt about all that? <laughs> oh, he's getting all very excited. <laughs> Where are they? You know, Vic Carson, he really should have been the Bob Euchre of this movie. Yeah. Like, just kind of kind of telling us the story, walking us through what was happening. He should have been on the road with them, calling the, the announcer. Yeah. Um, during, the, during the first uh, ring talk scene, you can actually see the whole time Captain Lou was reading his lines off of the floor. Yep, because he's looking back and forth. Yeah, <laughs> I did notice ground, that. Right at him. I did notice he that. He figured it out by the time he was Super Mario. Also, uh, I love... Dirk Benedict's great uh, Mexican impression, delivering yes, flowers. of course. Uh, Another one for us? Uh, hello, flowers... <laughs> Great. Is that right? Dynamite. It was good. So uh, so he be- don't you like pussy willows, he says? <laughs> so again, I gotta bring up the worst protagonist ever, who he doesn't really think about Tanya Roberts through the bulk of the second half of this no, movie. No, he was. He, those uh those postcards were going to her that were written in Were crayon. they? Yeah. Yep. She, I thought they were going to the fans. No, were- she brings up what, you mean those lousy postcards written in crayon? Oh. And then they the immediately, continuity. then they immediately hop on, hop inside of the elevator that's inside the house. Yes, <laughs> but the flowers can't fit, so he no. has to throw them on the table and almost falls. And then we cut to the scene, <laughs> and then we just cut. Everything's okay. Yes, they're at the beach. He's got his arm around. It her. might as well just say scene missing. Oh, you guys didn't watch the three and a half hour director's cut because they go through everything. They actually but show the entire. There's elevator. an hour and a half more uh, montage. So yeah. we get this is their first kiss. On screen. Wait. Right? They, I'm pretty sure they fucked after the fundraiser. But it... it uh. um, they were about to fuck, but the Wild Samoans that was before the car the fun- over. Wait, was the... No. The fundraiser... But that- then after the fundraiser, they were on the run... Because he had to dress like a woman. But that wasn't until the next morning. But that she, night. But she she hasn't a, seen him for months. Yeah. I understand that. She sent a message to him saying, "You, I don't know where you are, but you better stay hiding. Right. I That that was the after the fundraiser. But the night of the fundraiser, he steals her right. away and they leave to go off and we don't see them again. Mm-hmm. 
So he totally banks her that assume night. Assume that they had sex. I am saying night. that they had sex that okay. night. Okay. All right. That's so we're getting to the to the the main event, the brother. Main event we're looks finally like being covered by CNN and very serious we talk here. Are an hour and forty three minutes into this, <laughs> we are finally at the main event. Um, Captain Lou pulls in and uh, immediately parks in a handicap yes, spot. Exactly, <laughs> and doesn't have another way to get into the building. Goes in the same way Throw as the, the fans. fans, and then he as he goes up the stairs, sounds like Yosemite Sam. <laughs> I didn't realize this the first 17 times I've watched this, but Dirk Benedict outsmarts Mr. Yes. 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 But, uh, yes. Fir- but, and this being the third implied part where we have the <laughs> Samoans who are wearing matching suits again in the back. In the back of, in the back seat of a car, which is the funniest visual I've ever yes. seen. Awesome visual. But we don't get the satisfaction of actually seeing them destroy Captain Lou's car. No, they uh, they take out uh, the jaws of the life jaws and, of cut life. A, and cut a pipe. For whatever reason, <laughs> it's in the three-hour director's then cut. That's <laughs> it. It's totally in the director's cut. You missed an awesome Apparently, scene. because that really aggravated me. I really wanted to see that. And a little kid just had a sign that said, Rock and Roll Roberts. <laughs> so is that his new name? No, that's his new name, Rock and Roll Roberts. All right, Rock and Roll Roberts. So we're in the big match, the Los Angeles Sports Arena. Oh, hold on. Oh. Little Chris Lighton, where they all flip off. Captain <laughs> Lou, small children. So there's a who's who of wrestlers here. You, yes. you mentioned it earlier, Mikey. Mm-hmm. And during the montage, it's a virtual who cares of wrestling. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's great because they have Flair, Bruno, Blassie, they have Rick- Shawn Michaels. Oh, no, just the lead singer of Kick. He just <laughs> looks just like HBK in they this have, movie. They have Ric Flair's uh, brother, R-I-C-K Flair. That's how they uh, credit him in the end. Oh, my God. They should have called him Kick Flair. Oh. oh. That's in the sequel. That's yes. going in the reboot. Um, and I love that all of a sudden the mom's happy. Mary Everybody. Wilshire's happy. Because Harry Smilak said, hey, listen. I'm going to, uh, this is my cut of the winner's purse that hasn't been earned yet. So he's still giving them a, a, a bad check. Yep. He's not a good man. Bouncing all over the place. And then he goes so racist in this mod. You'll have it faster than I say Egg Foo Young. Like, he's just as the worst stuff ever to Mr. Kim, who's understandably upset. Our hero. Our hero, Mr. Kim. Um, well, I mean, again, you can say Captain Lou's a hero. You can say that Mr. Kim's a hero. Everybody's a villain in this movie. Everyone a villain. If you're comparing them to Smilak, they're heroes. Oh, oh look at that. Crushes a pipe. And, and that's cut. it. Um, so, again, we're, we're here. We've seen the rest of I this. actually had to go back to say, I'm like, did they ever do anything to his car? Nope. Nope. And these are, the things, these are the things that I wanted to see at the end of this movie. There needed to be an epilogue. There needed that, to be. That had to round up all yes. the disparate storylines. Everything Like the end of Animal House. Yeah. If like, they if they had done still still frame and just a wall of text telling right. you what happened. Exactly. I would have been thrilled with Me that. Me too. Rick Flair eventually dropped the K and became a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> so we had the wrestlers, they're all 
in, they're invested in this match. They want to see who wins. Now, I wish, again, in, in the world of wrestling, they had shown us more wrestlers reacting to Smilax Rise because I have no context to why all these guys care about this. Yeah, why are they in the front row? Are they all managed by Captain Lou? I, like, I don't know. Well, to be fair, you say they're there all to see the big wrestling match. They also could be there to see Kick. All right. Which is, uh, they're the hottest band in L.A. Also, can we assume that there's these are only one-match wrestling cards? I would absolutely say that's that's like, accurate. <laughs> yeah, no undercard, just the big main event. Yeah, I absolutely think that's the, the case. All right, let's get into this match, because we're getting short on time. <sighs> I don't even know how to start. Before like, we get into the match, does the midget kill... Charles Nelson Riley. He hits him yes. with the, the cane twice. To he, take over his spot. Yes. yes. That he, is Shawn Michaels. I Holy told you. Crap. I told oh, you. <laughs> the le- oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> I know I'm sexy. I can't even handle it. Like they, and wait, they it do the cuts. It's Flair. It's Bru- and then it's Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> I love every, they do a montage of everyone that was ever seen in this movie yep. dancing. Mm-hmm. Followed by the wrestlers dancing. Ric Flair's enjoying the song. Ric Flair's nodding in approval. Bruno, I've never seen happier. Blassie. Blassie and she got HBK. I love the general Adnan and Blassie hate it and they're friends with each other. And they're just chumming it up outside. (laughs) Having fun being two managers. Two being two Two heels. Two being heel managers. Just... So Captain Lou and the destroyer demolition powers of guys, Mm -hmm. they come out and they destroy... They destroy kick... Kick, kick set. No, kick kick set? Yeah, the, the K would be back. I mean, the S would be back there at this point. They're back. Okay. Yeah. Wait, what? Well, <laughs> if they destroy kick's set, because it's their set. They they destroyed the set that belongs kick. to kick. Yes. Pet smart. Pet smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's where the pets go. So oh, that's this, Petco. Once, once uh, Harry Smilak... Quick Rick and Harry Once they the, catch once, wind, <laughs> once they get catch wind, uh-huh. that oh no, kicks getting beat up. They they just they can't wait anymore. They run towards the ring in their capes. The fan. This is the after their first match. Harry said he wanted to get them new gear, and it's not till the very last match <laughs> of the movie that they get bright silver fucking aluminum foil capes. But now they're they're the stars that they always meant to be. Um. I love Captain Lou walks to the ring like I do. And then they become the biggest baby faces in the world. Yep. <laughs> destroying kicks. I mean, the biggest set. baby faces in the world to us. Which incites an entire riot throughout the entire A literal arena. riot in the crowd. I love how the riot starts with Bruno Sammartino having general, like, oh, I can't believe he did that. And then someone just takes a swing at him. Yep. Really out of nowhere. Out of the blue. Which is why, again, this was, to me, all a shoot. Like, again, this is just them going into the ring and destroying the band set without the band knowing it was going to happen. Oh, like, that's how it would go in real wrestling. So well, why, that's why, why they... Why not? Yeah. Right. Look, here comes... Uh, this is McCluskey hitting him again in the head. And they him. don't even show it. He walks off... Yeah, he's yeah, the, I mean, the murder of Vic Carson. Oh! <laughs> and then some guy dives... <laughs> dives from the first row into the fifth row. Oh. Uh, it's... And then nobody touches Blassie or Adnan. 
No, uh, Adnan bashes somebody with his sword and Blassie nails someone with his cane. Okay, but then the politician starts choking the lawyer, the lawyer for no reason. Why? I would say it's a very good reason. He really fucked up that fundraiser, and it's really Donatello's fault. <laughs> so he did book. He, he had every right to choke the shit out of him. And to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. Get out of the ring, Lou. I'll teach you. <laughs> and then the brawl. Oh, there it is. I saw it. Okay. Sword, cane, big dive. So, I mean, I, I agree with the midget taking out Charles Nelson Riley because Charles Nelson Riley wouldn't even let him get a word in edgewise when they were trying to introduce he the He really was. It was like Sid Vicious yes. during that interview with Hogan. So <laughs> murder's okay? Yeah, you know, he wanted to take his spot. He didn't murder him as much as he just bashed his head in. Because he tries to get up again and he hits him again. Yeah, which point. once again is what probably camera. killed him. Right. The original blow to the head hurt and definitely yes. did damage. The follow-up is what probably... Watch the, the, the cape almost go over his head. <laughs> <laughs> as they're running to the ring to stop the brutal attack of the set of kick. There's two people... The set of kick, yes. There's two people in my mind that should always wear scally caps. Um, uh, old people and midgets, and now especially old, old midgets. midgets. <laughs> so, so we get right to the match. Yep, right away. The match. Hot, start. Hot, Hot start. Hot start. They do the jump. By the way, this is a tag team match. Barely any tags made in this. It's all, a just all tag. four men are in the ring at the same time. Just a complete Donnybrook. Rock and wrestling rules sign. Yep. Piper. The referee doesn't, doesn't try to stop anything. No. He's okay with it. But Piper, with his great babyface move of poking the barbarian in the eye... Well, he's getting over being a heel for years because he's just really just become a babyface. There's also clearly a scene that was taken from when the brawl was still going on because they have a reaction from Bruno and everyone behind him is still fighting each other. <laughs> so they had to just change the clip. We only got Bruno for 20 minutes. Let's get all the inserts we can. So at this point... I'm seeing how much time is left in this movie, and there's not much at all. No. no. And I'm thinking, they're just going to end it with the match. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yep, yep. It's very much, I wish it ended like The Wrestler, with Tommy Tom <laughs> heading to the top. Ram, jam, ram, jam, ram, jam, ram. So... Uh, um, Tonga Tom takes a clothesline. His hair emits so much water, very reminiscent of Mark Henry taking any move. <laughs> so, Emma so, Harry Smilek finally gets his comeuppance on Captain Lou by kicking him in the nuts. Sure. Which we, him. Which we heard earlier, the scene that I guess was supposed to be the big ripping comeuppance his, was ripping the, the rubber band out of the face, so they went with the ball shot instead, of course. Which I think it makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Okay. Why not? So, here's the... <laughs> so, in this match, one thing I gotta point out as far as the announcers and the replacement of Vic Carson... Uh, Is he standing on an angle? <laughs> his astonishment over Tonga Tom getting a double bulldog in blows my mind. <laughs> a double bulldog? Why, I never! I don't believe it! Like, everything he's seen so far, including the destruction of the set of kick and the giant riot throughout the entire arena, but a goddamn double bulldog. It was the 80s. I was a finish, brother. <laughs> so I, you know, here's the point where the referee is trying to have some sort of control by keeping uh, Rick out of the ring for the big comeback. As most referees will. Yes. Just with the baby faces. Um, when I point out, Missy Roberts now sitting in the crowd 
with Bitsy Van Der Vegen and uh, Tanya Roberts for some reason. Well, in the three-hour director's cut, <laughs> they actually have a 15-minute detour where she loses her manager's license oh, okay. and is no longer allowed to be at ringside, uh-huh. forcing her to sit in the crowd. With her new adopted mother, Bitsy Van Der Vegen. Correct. Which is why, I'm not sure why Bitsy ended up adopting her. No, it doesn't make much sense. Took her from Quick Rick. Yeah. Well, you gotta see the director's cut to really get Well, it makes sense. Quick effect. Rick Roberts, Missy Roberts, and uh, they should end up with Tanya Roberts then. <laughs> Perfect. That would have been a great... That would have been perfect. <laughs> Tanya Roberts just played Tanya Roberts. Um, I wrote in my notes, again, Vince Russo definitely loved this, this shot. movie. That's the shot I was talking about. Just from about. the underneath. From underneath between their legs. Like, this is a Russo movie through and through. He loved this movie growing up. Um, can I just say, Roddy Piper's wrestling in this match is just as sloppy as Roddy Piper wrestling in real life. It's 100%. You would think they would have at least planned something out here. Nope. Call it in the ring, brother. Um, well, because wrestling is real in this universe. Yes. So there are no spots. And what is, I don't know what, what is that happening was. there? I do not know what that so, was. Uh, so it, it appears he's trying to monkey well, the, flip. The, the cannibals are, are double teaming Rick. In oh, the here corner. we go. Here's the, the big bulldog. finish. Double bulldog! No. Why I never this isn't the finish. finish. You're right. it. Roddy Piper finishes him with a back suplex. Fucking taking Tonga Tom Tom again. Tom with Does a crossbody or something? Drop kick, I believe. I thought it was a crossbody. It might be a crossbody. As they <laughs> throw them into each other for the big Whoa. finish. Whoa! Big Tonga Tom goes up top. Roddy Piper. And uh, that's how they should have ended it. Oh, it was a drop kick. Oh, God. Yeah, it, was, it was supposed to be a crossbody. Uh-huh. And, and they, they double both pin T. Joe Khan, who kicks out a three. Yep, <laughs> shoulders were definitely not down. Well, he didn't want to. He's take not going to look loss. weak in a brother no. in, a, in a movie. And Kick is so pumped. They cannot believe it. Everybody's pumped except for Blassie and, and, and they, still selling. M. Harry Smilak. And they end at jeez. <clears throat> he falls into the ring because he just got beat up by Captain Lou. And they raise the title belts in the air. And that's the end of the movie. So, and then fade back into the song that started the movie, Body Slam. Body Slam. So, and again, you mentioned it earlier. There is no closure nope. for so much of this, and that really upset me. Did why did I expect any different? I don't know. Because if you've ever watched a movie before, you know that usually any plot point that is brought up in the beginning of the movie is going to be finished and settled by the end before the credits roll. Um, can I just say this? Uh, Captain Lou now has to retire as a manager. That's a lot of people out of work now. There you go for that. There's- did M. Harry Smilak pay off the debt owed? Right. By the Koreans? No. He did not. Well, we don't know. The movie didn't end. He made racist... No, because he spent his entire purse share of the money to give to Norton Woolshire. So that's not But money. now he owns wrestling, so he should have an right. unlimited supply no, of he money. Still, now he only has Quick Rick and Tonga Tonga. We don't know that, because it rolls ex- seconds after this match is over. The Repo Man ends in this movie. I told you. <laughs> Rick Flair. Rick Flair with a K. Sheik Al Casey. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. This movie, man. Pistol Pete. You know, I gotta say, (laughs) I need a man who always takes care of business. (laughs) I need a man who can take care of my dreams. Mm -hmm. Just give me someone that's extremely armed and dangerous. My love is dangerous, and you know what that means. I'll fight for you if it comes to that. No one else can have you, and that's our love fight, yeah. Body slam. Take me to the limit if you can. 
Don't want a boy, I'm looking for a man. Understand. The dark he's gotta do. Ooh. Body slam. I think you could fit in my plans. You share my love because a touch of your hand, it throws me for a body slam. And that's really a perfect synopsis for this movie. If you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) This dramatic reading was brought to you by Lumberjack. Man. So... I gotta tell you guys. This movie's itching for a sequel. It is. It really is. Now, a sequel or a reboot? A, a sequel. sequel. We so need to know what happens after yes. this. And yep. it should open with Dirk Benedict standing at a gravesite that says Quick Rick Roberts. <laughs> so, I mean... Oh, man. I would have to say if there was going to be a sequel, Dirk Benedict needed to be the villain of the movie. Um, Mr. Kim would be the big villain with his tag team that's already established. Mr. Kim is dead. Why is Mr. Kim dead? If Quick Rick's dead, Mr. Kim's definitely dead. Well, I'm just talking about the actors. <laughs> well, if you're going to do a continuation, and for you the need record, the actual actors. John Fujikawa, still alive. Really? 90-something years old. Wow, oh, good for Mr. him. Mr. Kim, we better get on this movie now, because and, I don't know how much longer he'll be around. And still active. Good for him. Well, guys, I, I cannot say that I anticipated that it would go... Two hours talking about this movie. I think I, I saw that coming. Two hours. We were talking earlier if it was going to go 45 minutes to an hour. The oh. writers didn't think this was going to go two hours, and it didn't. Oh. Do we have any final thoughts? I just... I, not a likable person uh, I'll say this to be again. seen in this movie, not and I wanted closure. And that's... I didn't, I didn't care for this movie at all until about an hour in... When we finally got the montage, and I was happy with the montage, and then it all of a sudden just fell right off the rails again. Agreed. I feel like they wanted... This movie was something completely different, and due to their own personal rewrites, they completely flipped any sort of semblance of closure that they might have had. But I am dying to see what the original script was. I need to know. I tried to find it. I didn't have any luck finding the script online. Dirk Benedict, if you want to send it to us, that would be great. Dirk Benedict loves this movie. I love this movie. Uh, are and you sure it wasn't a, I am I love this movie because I'm being paid to say I love this movie? No. He's or been championing he, this movie in the years this was, since. This was on a radio interview that he was clearly not being paid for. It was from a couple years ago. And he just... So it's, it was recently? Yeah, he was saying oh how my. he wants to... Uh, get behind the movie of a DVD release which eventually happened. He said he wanted Roddy Piper to get behind it. They could do uh, commentary over it. They could do all this stuff. They had a great time. It was the time of his life filming that movie. As uh, long as it's a director's cut it's going to be worth it. Piper and Albano appeared on Hollywood Squares yes, they did. to promote this movie yes, they did. together in the yeah. same square. <laughs> they certainly did. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that clip, but uh, it includes, amongst other them, things, them putting on bonnets and singing the good ship lollipop. Oh, my God. You have to splice that in. And we see them on their own show. There's another side of Captain Lou and Rowdy Roddy that not many people know about. And, and we like to show that to you right now. Gentlemen, uh, some music, if you please. Well, uh, Roddy. Uh, uh, 16 years in the gymnasium, huh? On the good ship, lollipop. In 
Let's swing trip to the candy shop where a bonbon play. Thank you, guys. No, pass. Hard pass. <laughs> All right, guys, we are we are well over. Man, our time. Uh, so, what's next on the horizon for the three-way theater? Well, Mikey, you had a, a, a wonderful suggestion, amazing suggestion for our next uh, wrestling movie. Yeah, and I only happened to come across this because it was a related video when it came to watching the movie Body Slam, which we just reviewed. It's called Grunt the Wrestling Movie. Oh, my God. So are we in agreement we'll do Grunt the Wrestling Movie next? I've never seen it. Neither have I. So this is some... so a difference between Body Slam, where we've at least seen Body Slam once before in our lives yeah. and decided to watch it again. This will be a complete... We have very little knowledge very little of, information. of this movie going into it. I, I will admit that after watching the trailer, I I was reminded that I read a WrestleCrap article about this movie. I, did, I, I also read that article. But I have never seen it. I am so excited to watch this movie. All right. So, I mean, that's that'll be our episode number two. We'll, just well technically on. it would be episode number one. We'll keep on. Because this is the pilot. Oh, sure, sure, sure. What are we gonna call? What are we gonna call it when we do the movie, the pilot? We'll 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 cross that bridge when we get to it. But you can follow us on Twitter. Our new Twitter handle, <gasps> the Three Way Theater. Well, not the at, at Three Way theater. theater. Yes, get it right or pay yep, the sorry. price. All right, all right. And this is all very new for us. Yep. So so uh, any suggestions? You can email jcmarks at hotmail That's wrong. That's and uh, so send wrong. all hate mail to him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's all Asian Americans. <laughs> please send your hate mail to jcmarks at hotmail.com. <laughs> um, and I uh, I already created it by the way. So <laughs> that's a hotmail m a l e. Yeah, hotmail h a w t m a l e. All right, guys. All right, Lumberjake's walking away. Yeah. All right, we're wrapping this up. I'm Mike Pava. I'm JC. And I'm Lumberjake. And this has been The Three-Way Theater. Bye, dum-dums. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, Cody boys. (laughs)